I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God Indivisible with liberty and justice for all. your help in the tremendous task of informing and alerting the American people. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on early on infiltration instead of invasion. You have all the money in the world. You have all the power you need. What's the point? What's the end goal? He said the end goal is to get everybody shipped control the whole society.
direction that was irreversible. This was not an election. This was a revolution. This was irregular warfare at its finest. We have what we call citizen journalists. We have an army of digital soldiers. You're here because you've made a decision about something in your life. You can't sit back. You have a responsibility. We must, you have to, have to fight for this country. Good afternoon, good morning, good uh, late afternoon, mid-afternoon, depending on where you are in the world. I hope you are doing well on this day today. Welcome to another live edition of The Sea Report. You are joining us live now. If you indeed are here live and if you are not, well, hey, you might be catching a replay and that is okay. Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Sea Report. I'm your host, Mr. C, also known as Michael Aaron Gossidis, and uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Today is June 27th, 2023, and we're back, ladies and gentlemen. You know, who would have thought, man, so uh, yesterday was a very, very busy day. I know, I know, I know, I know, ladies and gentlemen. People are like, uh, well, this Mr. C here, he, uh, he seems to be taking off on Juneteenth. And on Pride, what is going on here? And then he shows up on a Tuesday afternoon in a pink shirt. What's going on? Well, the joke is on you, America. This is actually coral, not pink. All right. <laughs> you know, it was an interesting week. I mean, I was like, where are we? Weekend, I should say. I was like, where are we going to be starting, you know, um, this week's foray into uh, my discussions with uh, audience members about... Uh, different bits of information. I actually got a lot of, uh, actually today's going to be a pretty strong election-based episode. So get yourselves ready, ladies and gentlemen. If you pay attention to any of my socials, you probably know what's coming, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but uh, we'll be touching on some election stuff. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll start big, I guess you could say since uh, people prefer to start big. Well, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the Supreme Court uh, making a ruling on uh, states' uh, rights in elections uh, versus federal rights. Uh, a ruling came down this morning from the uh, Supreme Court, it would seem. You know, I find it rather interesting, though. I mean, because, you know, 
my typical my typical way of uh you know um uh, uh, sifting through uh, the various routes of informations, modes, streams, and those who would uh, rather uh, choose to dictate to us those modes and streams and paths of information, you know, uh, I, I tend to look at those who are known uh, enemies of the Republic, right? And, and you know, you can look at their prerogative, their point of view, or what they're, uh, what they're thinking in regards to a bill, um, to, uh, to any various types of legislature, or points of views, opinions even. I mean, opinions go a long way in this day and age, especially with the uh, apparatus of the mainstream, lamestream, just pushing it on us all the time, ladies and gentlemen. You know, it's easy to see why opinions, even from these people, could amount to about the same thing. Uh, but nevertheless, ladies and gentlemen, um, you know, uh, it's interesting some of the opinions that are formulating around this uh, this uh, Supreme Court ruling. So uh, we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit, you know. Uh, and there's some other election stories. We're going to talk about Harris County. I got an update from an interesting update from Harris County, Texas, right? Now, we're not talking about Galveston, Texas. We're talking about Harris County, where the mass, uh, massive amounts of voter suppression occurred. You know, you know, the, you know, I had to send out an APB. I was like, hey, I'm going to send out a missing persons report for all of the influencers who are not talking about Harris County, Texas, right? We've got missing influencers. No one's talking about it. You know, I reached out to the president this week, this weekend, you know, President Trump. And I was like, hey, President Trump, you know, it would be a shame if we have a redo of the Harris County elections and no one's paying attention. OK, so can we get some eyes on Harris County? Because, you know, they're about to redo their election. You know, I mean, I, I say that and I know that maybe many, not many people out there would uh, uh, believe the words that I say. But, you know, we're headed in that direction. We'll we'll jump into that. I mean, it's not a huge update, but it is a worthy update, ladies and gentlemen, I think. Uh, of attention wouldn't that be crazy i mean what did, i should have i should have betted you guys you guys are gonna think i'm a gambling man right as many times as i bet the audience like <laughs> i'm always like i'll bet you a dollar okay i'll take you i'll take that bet to vegas ladies and gentlemen anyways so i mean uh, well i mean i mean I mean, you know, I used to like to go to Vegas back in the day, but that that's besides the point. It generally wasn't to gamble. But anyway, may, other than with maybe my life. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, guys. So, uh, yeah, I, I usually just gamble with my life, not with money. So if I'm throwing money on the table, you probably don't want to take me up on the bet. Okay. <laughs> if I'm like, I'll bet you. <laughs> I'm not one for losing. So, you know, if I'm willing to bet you, you probably don't want to take me up on the bet. Right. Anyways. So unless you don't mind buying me a coffee, then that's all good and dandy. I won't rub it in your face. I promise. So uh, um, it's, it's a, it's a large but minimal update from Harris County. We'll talk about Luzerne County, Pennsylvania. Also, they just released their report on their botched 2022 midterm elections. So you, we had these botched 2022 midterm elections. No one's got their eyes on them because I don't really think people care about it. Right. I really don't think people care about it, you know. And then when they do decide to talk about botched elections, they talk about candidates who are like inside of these influencer like fields, you know, like like they're like, I'll talk about a botched election and a candidate, but only because they were part of this influencer block of people. Right. I mean, you know, influencers also have run candidates, right? Like, 
<laughs> I mean, come on, ladies and gentlemen. If uh, if uh, the deep state apparatus can run candidates, if America First can run candidates, what makes you think that like these influencer military operation cells don't also run candidates who go out there talking about God and God and God and God and God and then they fail and then they do nothing but, you know, because they're part of these influencer like blocks of people. I mean, the influencer blocks of people, they have influencers, they have... Uh, they have people, you know, I was just thinking about this the other day. I was like, you know, it would not surprise me if some of these influencers actually worked for like other big media outlets. And they're, they're like, say, for example, say, for example, maybe like their day job is working at The Hill or their day job is working at BuzzFeed or, you know, na name anyone that you, you, you should choose to pursue as, as like uh, whatever. Right. And then, then like when they're off of their job, their day job, right. Where they actually get paid to do whatever they are doing and wearing their masks. Well, then they go into the digital world. Right. And they go behind these like nameless, faceless avatars. Right. They come up with these, all these names because I mean, come on, they're no John Hancock. Right. They're not going to sign their name on the fucking, Pardon me, it's two o'clock in the afternoon in uh, somewhere. Anyways, okay, so they're not going to sign their name on the on anything that's going to say who they are, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm not about to say what I was about to say because I will just throw myself in the slammer. You know, um, it's speaking of which, but uh, no, 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 we'll we'll stay on we'll stay on point here, ladies and gentlemen. So as I was saying. So, you know, so like, so interesting enough, you know, you know, while all, um, while I'm of the mind at the moment that all of our elections are rigged or I should say majority, you know, I mean, I, I do believe that what is the phrase that I use that the grassroots will catch lightning in a bottle and they'll actually get their way 1% of the time, you know? You know, I'm willing to believe that there are still counties and precincts in this nation. Ladies and gentlemen, I am willing to believe that there are still precincts and counties in this nation where they are not corrupt, okay? But with the advent of like these machines, for example, like if you've ever actually voted in the state of Texas recently, you would know that they do use printed ballots, right? Like, I mean, unless someone's being facetious, you don't literally have someone sitting behind the controllers just popping in numbers, right? Okay. <laughs> Now, maybe someone who's on an influencer candidate block would say something like that without even giving you much more information. And they probably are not even fighting any lawsuits. They're just going to say God's going to punish the people who did this to them. Right. I mean, that's that's kind of the default for like people. I don't know. Anyways, let me just let me just let me just park that one right there. So anyways, guys. So um I guess what you know what I'm trying to say here is like with all of these uh, different uh, meanderings into the elections, you know, for me, it's easy to say, especially when I start considering some of the publications and literature that we've been going over in in uh, in conjunction with the documentaries and all of the other news stories and everything that we've already read, heard and or understood and and even more stuff that we'll be covering on this channel in the uh, in the upcoming um, um, days, weeks, months, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, it's pretty easy to see that our election system is designed and made to rig. And the most, uh, the I, you know, and, and how many other people are going to be saying this right now? 
ladies and gentlemen, right now. I mean, this is going to be hard for the influencers to like kind of like pivot from we're finally talking about election integrity issues to now we're talking about elections are totally rigged. It's going to take the influencers a couple of months to catch up on this one. Okay. They'll get there eventually. Okay. They'll get there eventually. I mean, right now they're more concerned with other things, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, than uh, than uh, the proceedings, but you know, eventually they'll catch up to this. We finally, hey, hey, I would say when we get people who are sitting in their basements, attics, and in their garages to wear suits and ties, we're doing good, right? I would say when we got them to finally start reading the articles instead of just giving the same uh, like empty opinions that all all thirty or forty of them use at the same time. We got them pretty good, I would say, when it comes to making them use words and phrases like flim-flam. We are doing pretty good here at the Sea Report, right? So in a couple of months, they'll start preaching and, and they'll start preaching this song. All of the elections are totally rigged and totally false, but not until then, because they have to figure out a way on how to, like con us and how to defraud us out of the new uh, the new momentum which is all elections are rigged and all elections are stolen i mean they have to find a way guys they have to find a way in order for them to uh you know take over or commandeer or hijack the entire situation when we're talking about our elections so you know Anyway, so uh, yeah, elections, ladies and gentlemen, seems to be the uh, seems to be uh, the uh, talking point of the afternoon. Now, uh, before we get in there, go, I do want to also uh, thank you all if you're uh, tuning or hanging out. Now, this past weekend, now let me before we jump in, I'll just do real quick housekeeping. This past weekend, we did do an episode of the C Stream. So, if you got to hang out with us on a Sunday night, well, I hope you had a great time. I know I did. I know uh, audience members who are part participating did. Now, I will tell you now, ladies and gentlemen, and this is for audience members of the C Report. So if you're hanging out over at Rumble, if you're hanging out over at Pilled, if you're hanging out over at Twitch, if you're hanging out over on the post podcast side of things, if you're catching a restream or a replay, ladies and gentlemen, you know, we'll do the C Report Monday through Friday on the weekends, you know, the C Stream. Uh, what I'm currently showing and airing, that's premium content that I'm just airing, uh, you know, for uh, members of the C Team. So if you would like to be a part of the C Team, if you'd like to hang out with the C Team on a weekend night and just kind of chill out, cut loose, you know, I will even have a drink with the C Team, ladies and gentlemen, as demonstrated this past weekend. <laughs> You know, and, and so like, you know, I mean, everyone, for all intents and purposes, I think we were all having a great time. I told you there were a whole bunch of things I was not going to be talking about on the C report that I did dip into on the C stream. And, you know, it was funny to see everyone turn up these stories on Monday, right? But, uh, you know, as far as the weekend goes, you know, it was an interesting weekend. It was a woke weekend. I mean, you know, when when family is concerned, you know, you know, I got to say, ladies and gentlemen, and, you know, my family would probably uh, they'd probably uh, hang me high for even going into anything like this. But, you know, when it comes to family, you know how long it took for them to finally accept that I am the kind of person that will speak when we're watching TV. I cannot help myself. I'm like, oh, there's a pedophile. There's a pedophile. Oh, that one's actually a man. It's a man, baby. Like, 
<laughs> or, oh, wait, they're telling you the truth about some type of conspiracy or they're telling you the truth about some type of program or, you know, you know, and my family's like, shut up, shut up, Michael. Like you just, we are trying to watch to, you know, well, you know, that's the way my family was before. Now they <laughs> Now, actually, some of them participate in it. But, you know, I do have a lot of family that is also very much not into it. They're more about, uh, I don't know, uh, feeling the happy, positive vibes of, I would say, uh, blissful ignorance. <laughs> but, you know, for a woke weekend, because we had Juneteenth last weekend, right? And then we had... Uh, well, this is the whole month of proudness for like the people who like to chop off the, you know, the uh, the genitalia of their children. Um, I mean, because they're kind of the ones that have, you know, taken over this whole thing. I mean, like, you know, self-respecting homosexuals have no part and want no part of any of this discussion or debate. Although there are some self-respecting homosexuals out there who are participating in this debate. Because uh, it's something that should be noted. You know, you can't blanket cover over a type or a label uh, fixated to any type of uh, lifestyle, subculture, whatever. But, you know, when you're looking at like the topless, fat, obese lesbians of New York, uh, you know, uh, hugging up on your children or you're looking at the uh, the old bottom old men in Seattle dancing in their tidy white. God, you, that was disgusting, ladies and gentlemen. That was disgusting. And then you have, of course, the transgender Baphomets dancing around in San Antonio. I mean, there was something going on this past weekend here in my hometown, you know, because I was out doing, I had a busy weekend slash uh, Monday, uh, chores, et cetera, and stuff like that. And like going out, being out and about, I was like, it's dead out here. Like there's, there's no one out here. What's going on? You know, like, <laughs> like, so, uh, you know, so, oh, so they're all probably worshiping the devil downtown in San Antonio or something like that. So, you know, interesting week. Uh, glad to see it over. I would still say, call it family proud month. You know, like if you want to get like some type of a, uh, anti-pride month i never understood it now back in the day don't get me wrong back in the day yeah I'd, I'd go i'd go to some of these events but these days ladies and gentlemen no 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 no. i'm i'm much too old to do anything like that anymore so it doesn't happen much ladies and gentlemen but uh glad it's almost over uh we're like what t minus uh what three or four days and then, uh, of course, we have like uh, General Mark Milley, you know, Victoria Milley. We have General Mark Milley's girlfriend, Rachel Levine, calling for it to be an entire month of, uh, of transgender decadence. You know, I'm pretty sure it's something that not many, not many people can get on board with. Anyways, guys. Okay, so let's go ahead and start to get into some of this afternoon's proceedings. Thanks again for being here. If you're with us live, uh, we will start with some President Trump truths. So let's go ahead and get that a rockin' and a rollin'. And uh, let's see uh, here. Oh, here we're going. Okay, let's go ahead and get that big on the board. 
All right. What do we got for us today? We'll start here. We'll start with a couple of uh, Trump truths uh, regarding uh, Ron DeSanctimonious that were coming in from, uh, I believe it was yesterday or possibly the day before. And then we'll, we'll jump into some of his more recent, ladies and gentlemen. We'll jump into some of his more within the last 24 hours as there's, you, you could imagine there's going to be this big response, right? over uh, what was going on, ladies and gentlemen, um, with uh, uh, with uh, this uh, video, this audio recording that's just been released by CNN. Again, right? Far be it. We're going to leave it to CNN to go. Uh, are they going to go conservative? Right. Anyways. But, um, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I heard the recording and the only thing I'm not going to belabor the point and and play like charades with my audience. I would just say that, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to spend 30 episodes on it. Uh, it sounds to me like a plant is what it sounds like to me. Uh, how did it go? He baited them. He baited them. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. We, we got to do that the right way. Right, guys, you want to see you want to see the, the he baited them. OK, look, this is this is what this is what I believe is really happening with this recording. I could be wrong, ladies and gentlemen. I could be wrong, but this is kind of what I think is happening. Told him. He baited him. He trolled him. He baited him. He trolled him. He baited him. I wish I was that smart. See, that's that's the Trump dimension. That's the Trump dimension. He trolled us. That's the Trump dimension. Okay, enough. All right. You get the <laughs> You get the point, right? That's what I think. I'll show that with my audience so I don't gotta spend much more time on it. Okay. There are more important things going on right now in the world. Uh, I mean, we'll get to it. I mean, it's pretty obvious the way in which this is going. I guess the I guess, you know. The important thing here would be that as long as the uh, mainstream lamestream and the rest of those in that Mockingbird media can figure out that the American public is aware and they're following the story, uh, you know, that would kind of let them know whether or not they're going to get away with it. Can they make this hold ground? Can they move their next uh, to move to their next step in trying to get President Trump arrested? forever and totally smeared and never electable ever again. Well, that's going to depend on whether or not the American people react to their shenanigans and their, uh, their treachery in uh, this uh, two-tiered justice system. I would think, okay, I would think because, you know, other than that, ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to be totally honest with ourselves, right? If we're even to this level of honesty with ourselves, right? I mean, the next question to ask, the next obvious question to ask, if you're trying to look at the most simplest solution, right? The simplest uh, answer is usually the answer, whatever, right? You know, if you're looking at that, then you'd have to ask the question, right? You'd have to ask the question. By um, the uh, Trump tape coming out and by uh, the uh, Jack Smith and the hardcore, okay, the hardcore communists in our nation, to include the establishment, 
politicians that are the rhinos, the Republican rhinos, the obvious establishment, okay? I'm talking about the obvious establishment and the communist whom would be the Democrats. And, you know, as a uniparty, the obvious establishment Republicans might as well be the communists as well, okay? Did you guys see that new video with Lindsey Graham? Like, there was a new video that I saw circulating on Rumble, you know, that featured some of the transgressions of Lindsey Graham and uh, some of the exposures of his rhinocery. Like, you know, it's it's interesting that, you know, it, I wasn't even paying attention. You know, maybe it's because he's coming out on shows like The View and sharing his poisons that I wouldn't be aware of it because I'm not going to watch The View, right? I'm not about to be there, right? You know, I'm right about at the place where I will not even watch Fox News if President Trump is on there, you know? But I will not watch The View just because they have an interview that I think could be interesting. I mean, okay, I'll be honest. If President Trump went on The View, I probably would watch it because I'm sure there would be fireworks, right? I'm sure Joy Behar and Whoopi Goldberg would be coming at him with concrete-filled whoopee cushions, ladies and gentlemen. Like, I'm pretty sure it would be fireworks. But if I'm being absolutely honest, but, you know, if Lindsey Graham goes on The View, I'm not going to watch that, you know? But that's where he's spilling all of his traitorous poison. So anyways, guys, interesting stuff that, but uh, getting back to the matter at hand, you know, the question to ask would be, by persecuting President Trump, by persecuting President Trump, how does that benefit the establishment, okay? How does it benefit the establishment Republicans? How does it benefit the not-so-obvious establishment to include their influencers? And when I'm talking about influencers, I know that, like, for example, like uh, Dr. Shiva Ayudure had referenced, like, Tucker Carlson and the likes in the realm of influencers, but I would also include like uh, mid-level influencers, like the ones who only come out on the internet, the ones who do not come out in network broadcasts, the ones that are only on the internet. And it's not all of them, obviously. There's far too many influencers out there for it to be all of them. But, you know, there is going to be a select class of them that are involved on the military level, on a contractor level, on a pseudo-government contractor level as well. And if they're, if they're contracted with, like, a member of a media or a media outlet or someone who's representative of that, then that's, uh, that's also pseudo-governmental because the media at this point in this, in this particular nation is, ladies and gentlemen basically part of the government. I mean, the AP, the Associated Press, for crying out loud, has been calling elections since at least the 1970s, ladies and gentlemen. The media is a huge part of this government, okay? They are a huge part of this government, you know? So when we're talking about that, guys, it's, it's, it's establishing all of that. So how do all of these people benefit from the trials of President Trump? Well, the obvious answer to that is because they don't want him to be president anymore, right? And if they don't want uh, President Trump to be president anymore, then that's obviously the way that the establishment uh, pack or herd benefits from the trials of President Trump. But how do the not-so-obvious elite or establishment benefit from that? 
How do the not-so-obvious elite establishment benefit from the obvious establishment benefiting from Trump's trials and tribulations? Well, it gives them the ability to hijack the opposition to the obvious establishment, to the Mitch McConnells and Lindsey Grahams and Chuck Schumers and Hillary Clintons and Nancy Pelosi's of the world. Your not-so-obvious establishment looks great because they're fighting the establishment, but it's all part of the same fix. So anyways, I don't know. That was kind of my, uh, I was like asking myself questions, you know. Um, you know, was I'm trying to see a bigger picture and see, you know, you know, a bigger picture to everything that is transpiring at this moment, um, at least at this particular pocket in time. Uh, that's kind of just something that came up to my came to mind. I was like, I mean, it's beneficial for them because they see uh, Trump as an obvious nemesis to the deep state. And that would obviously delude the grassroots into believing all of these other people if, uh, you know, they see that they have an obvious enemy to their own. So I don't know. Just thoughts going through my head today. Let's take a look. Whoops. Let's take a look at President Trump's first truth. It says, De Sanctimonious showed up today in Eagle Pass. He was in Texas again, ladies and gentlemen. That rabble rouser. He says he was on the Texas border with almost no crowd or excitement. I don't doubt that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, whose sole purpose in making the trip was to reiterate the fact that he would do all the things done by me. And creating the strongest border by far in U.S. history, a total waste of time. The Ronda Sanctimonious campaign is going to be a total waste of time, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to show us how hard the establishment wants to push, you know, opponents who have no merit, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, they can create as many false uh, doctrines and false, uh, you know, uh, grandeur as they want. You know, and even if it is merited within their own state, but, you know, a state does not make a nation. Ladies and gentlemen, last time I checked, there were 50 of them, right? So just because you're good at ruling your state, you're one fiftieth of a nation, you know, doesn't mean that you're going to do the job well in total. Okay. And I just, I just, you know, I can't help it, guys, you know, when we're talking about all these other people running uh, there's no one has a track record. No one has a track record. And I just, you know, I, I, I think that when, because just because of the fact that a lot of these people don't have track records, you know, I think a lot of the times what we're seeing is it's their own people, you know, uh, Pentagon hired like 60,000 people to work in plain clothes. I'm sure some of them are listening to this stream or running, apps and streams with programs like this and shows like this on there guys like i'm pretty damn sure right like uh you know they're probably someone you watch every morning or every day right and they 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 double as mods right uh when their nameless faces avatars and then you know they uh they uh you know they just hoodwink people. That's all they do. That's all they do, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. All right. Next truth from President Trump. So Fox News, which is down 37% in the ratings, does not cover my getting the man of the decade award because of my great trade policies in Michigan. 
or my keynote speech for faith and freedom in D.C. and then wants me to show up and get them ratings for their presidential debate where I'm leading in the field by 40 points. All they do is promote against all hope. Ron DeSanctimonious, and he's dropping like a rock. Sorry, Fox News. Life doesn't work that way. Well, good. Good. You know, the American people are finally starting to snap that even though Fox News might have covered their favorite president, might seemingly be conservative and definitely rages against the woke machine, Never mind their owner and or CEO. Um, I doubt he does. But like, you know, uh, we're not going to watch Fox News, even if President Trump is on there. You know, I might I might make that a point to do that. I mean, I guess I'd have to catch a replay. Maybe I'll catch someone's clip is what I'll do. Right. But, you know, I'm not going to give any any ratings to Fox News. We really haven't done that in a minute here anyways. I mean. I will. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we would play. Obviously, we would tune in for President Trump interviews and stuff like that. But anyways, what's the point? What's the point anymore? They need to know that we recognize them as globalist, uh, globalist henchmen, and uh, we're not going to pay attention to them anymore. That's just the bottom line. I mean, I know we have an entire second row of like uh, establishment influencers right behind Fox News and all the people on the networks. But I guess we'll have to deal with that when we get there. Right. Right, ladies and gentlemen, let's move forward. Okay. All right. And uh, it goes like this. Fox News just covered from beginning to end the Ron DeSanctimonious, very boring news conference at the border, but did not cover one minute of my two big speeches on Saturday and Sunday night. One for Faith and Freedom in D.C., who's run by an establishment rhino and the other about trade in Michigan, where I was presented with the Man of the Decade Award. The DeSanctus speech was just a rehash of all the things I did to have the safest and strongest border in U.S. history. Also, I'm up on my 40 points. I'm up on him by 40 points, and also up big on Biden. So uh, how are you going to argue with that, America, right? <laughs> I mean, it is a joke. Ron DeSantis' campaign is a joke. Anyone who is running against President Trump, and especially if they're not trying to come off like establishment henchman rhino, it's a joke. No one stands a chance, ladies and gentlemen. Not one stands a chance. Okay. Let's check our next uh, truth from President Trump. It goes like this. Ron DeSanctimonious is really being punished in the polls. He is falling, failing at a level rarely seen in American politics. Prior to getting my endorsement, his campaign was dead. He was a very unskilled politician. What did I do for him? What I did for him was artificial inflation of his numbers. You see, President Trump, you see how that happens? You know, I'm surprised we don't have people blaming President Trump for Ron DeSantis, right? Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, if we had another establishment character in there for these influencers to latch on to, 
but they don't right now at the moment. It's coming and they're going to latch onto RFK is what they're, that's who they're latching onto right now, by the way. And, you know, speaking of RFK, I must say, Tucker Carlson, you are wrong, sir. You are wrong. RFK is not the most hated, most censored, blah, 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 BS. Okay. So you see, it's coming out now, right? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, on the way to restoring our republic, you know, I'm willing to believe with uh, spots like that, Tucker Carlson is just there to wrangle you back into the establishment uniparty politics. Are you going to listen to him? Do you know, I think that this entire Russia, uh, you know, Purgosian thing, that was just, they're just, they just need, they just need, because you know, guys, they need, they need, they need weekend stories, okay? They need weekend stories. They need to make sure that you're not either focusing on President Trump and his debacle and exposing all the lies, or they need you not uh, digging into things that you're actually interested in, right? Okay. Because, you know, Lord knows if I'm interested in doing a story, if there's breaking news, I might shelve my interest to cover that breaking news to be the first. No, I don't do that crap, right? Like, it's like, oh, I got to be the first one to report this story. I got to be the first one. Everyone's got to come see me, right? Like... (laughs) Anyways, okay. And then feel all awkward when people beat you to the story. That's lame o shame o ladies and gentlemen. Okay, let me get this back on the screen. So anyways, you know, I mean, I talk a lot. I talked, I talked, spoke, past tense, a lot about the Russia-Ukraine thing back when it first started. And once we got everyone on the right path, I stopped talking about it because everyone figured it out. Good. I don't got to talk about it no more. Okay. So I just think that was a whole big old distraction, right? They want to make sure that they got your, uh, your new streams all covered up and everything. So, okay. So, uh, let's, let's do this Trump truth. Oh, no, we already talked about that. Yeah. We, oh no, wait, did we read this one? Falling, failing, right? Prior to his campaign endorsements, he was dead. Oh wait, no, did we not read this? Did he do a, did he do a double type? Okay, let's read this one. Ron DeSanctimonious is really being punished in the polls. Yeah, we did read this. He is falling, failing at a level rarely seen in American politics. Prior to getting my endorsement, his campaign was dead. He was a very unskilled politician. He's so boring and roly-poly looking, ladies and gentlemen, with like a pipsqueak voice, okay? A pipsqueak voice. I always thought Ron DeSantis had like a pipsqueak voice. Anyways, it says here, what I did for him was artificial inflation. Yes, artificial inflation. Oh, that's right, because I went off on a little tangent right there. He is now proving to be unskilled yet again. Also, disloyalty has a problem disloyalty has a price okay strong truth there coming in from president trump all right now president trump is going to switch gears into the jack smith um uh prosecution and uh real quick good afternoon victoria how are you doing this afternoon great to see you hun and thank you for gifting the shades over there at pill.net the foxhole.app hope you're doing well on this tuesday afternoon welcome welcome thanks for being here uh but now we're gonna uh, president trump is gonna switch gears into truths regarding the jack smith prosecution again with this whole tape thing coming out I don't know. It just seems to me like he, it seems to me like it's a big old bait. Okay. The derangement special prosecutor, the, excuse me, the, the derangement special, 
<laughs> the deranged special prosecutor, Jack Smith, working in conjunction with the DOJ and FBI, illegally leaked and spun a tape and transcript of me, which is actually an exoneration rather than what they would have you believe. This continuing witch hunt is another election interference scam. They are cheaters and thugs. I don't think I need to play the Alex Jones place boink clip again. He baited them. He trolled them. He baited them. He trolled them. He baited them. He trolled them. Now that's the Trump dimension. Yep, that's the Trump dimension. Yep, back when Alex Jones used to like uh, President Trump, he probably never liked him, right? I don't know. Maybe he liked him up until the point that he was blackmailed. I don't know. Next statement from President Trump. Could somebody please explain to the deranged Trump-hating Jack Smith, his family, and his friends that as President of the United States, I come under the Presidential Records Act as affirmed by the Clinton Sox case, not by his psycho's fantasy of the never-used-before Espionage Act of 1917. Smith should be looking for a crooked Joe, looking at crooked Joe Biden and all the crimes that he has perpetrated on the American public, including the millions and millions of dollars he extorted from foreign countries. And, you know, that is another big piece, you know, that like um, is coming out in the media now again, right? Shows like this and, and those who have been paying attention for any amount of time in the last four to five years already knew and understand a lot of these things. This stuff is now coming out as hard evidence, though, okay? Not just speculation coming from inside sources, right, or, or sources, right, or anything like that. But no, from actual, it's coming out in the documentation, whistleblowers are coming out, it's coming out in court proceeding, it's coming out in discovery, uh, it's coming out, again, whistleblowers, um, investigations, you know, you know, and I'm willing to bet for those who have been, oh, wait, I'm ready, I'm, are you guys ready, are you influencers ready for me to throw your worldview upside down, right? Because <laughs> all the influencers are like, Putin's on our side, Putin's a good guy, yeah, Putin, right? Okay, are you ready? Okay. Are you ready, influencers? I'm about to flip the script on you. Okay. You might, it might take a couple of weeks for you to catch up. Okay. So, uh, would it, wouldn't it be interesting if, uh, Putin is working for the World Economic Forum, as is espoused by many and many and many a Fed? Okay. Like, wouldn't it be interesting if Putin is working for the World Economic Forum? Right. And they figured out that they needed to have Putin invade Ukraine so that uh, while Biden was in office or before Trump got back in, they would have a deceit. Imagine, guys, if the entire time that Joe Biden was in office, if there was no Ukraine war, do you not think that they would probably be digging into Burisma like three years ago? They're like, okay, Putin, go into Ukraine, because if you don't, they're going to expose the Biden crime family. It'll be ahead of schedule, uh, and we need to get Trump in in 2024, and he can end it in 24 hours, so let's play the obvious, not so obvious establishment, right? You know? Oh, what are, you know, there's some, there are some influencers out there that are going, Eureka, Mr. C, now I see it. Thank you for making it clear. And then there's some out there going, ah, crap, I've been on Putin's side since November. <laughs> Anyways, okay, so no, 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 why are we talking about Putin? Okay, we're talking about Jack Smith and his family, okay.
anyways guys let's just move on from that okay so yes 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 joe biden and all of the crimes that he has perpetrated that's what what that's what's up okay because it's all it's all coming out quite rather plainly clearly now there's no way to deny at this point with every piece of information whether it's investigatory or the biden laptop it's coming out okay Millions and millions of dollars extorted from foreign countries, Ukraine included, I'm sure. Okay, I believe this is the last truth from President Trump that we'll be sharing this uh, afternoon. New poll. Oh, wait, sorry. Let me expand that so that you guys might view this with a better ease. New poll. Trump 69. The Sanctimonious 16. Pence 4. Scott 3. Also beating Biden by seven. Thank you. I don't know what poll this is, but I don't believe it. <laughs> I don't believe it. I think uh, the other three uh, rhinos are um, way down. And uh, I think it, he's beating Biden by higher than seven. I would assess anyways. That's that's just what I think. But uh, All right. Let's do another Trump story before we get into our election stories. This one's going to be about uh, President Trump's um, upcoming day in court. All right. And uh, we have here on the screen Judge Eileen Cannon and President Trump as well. Now, we all know that Judge Eileen Cannon um, was... Um, was uh, appointed by President Trump. So that has been a point of contention for many on the left and many uh, um, um, opponents of President Trump. I guess they're kind of like, we can't have a Trump-appointed judge overseeing a Trump uh, trial, right? So that was kind of the thing there. But let's get into a little bit of the beats here. Uh, I got two points I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, one will be one that was, uh, you yeah, know, was considered a victory for the Trump council. And then the other would be his date setting. So uh, this coming from the Business Insider, let's go ahead and pop that up. Judge Eileen Cannon denied the special counsel's request to hide the names of 84 potential witnesses in the Trump classified document case. So that's a pretty good thing to hear. Like uh, we have Jack Smith wanting to conceal, wanting to put under seal um, the various, uh, the various uh, witnesses that he's going to be uh, using against President Trump. So let's see what this uh, article had to say real quick. And then we'll move into one other brief. And it says here, uh, U.S. Oh, let me expand that. U.S. District uh, Judge Eileen Cannon ruled on Monday that Special Counsel Jack Smith cannot file under seal the names of 84 potential witnesses who may offer incriminating testimony after former, their words not mine, President Donald Trump's handling of classified documents. Cannon, in a brief order, wrote that she was conv not convinced that federal prosecutors did not have other means at their disposal to justify shielding the list of potential witnesses from public view. Uh, Judge Cannon wrote, the government's motion does not explain why filing the list with the court is necessary. It does not offer a particularized basis to justify Sealing the list from the public view, it does not explain why partial sealing, redaction, or means other than sealing are unavailable or unsatisfactory, and it does not specify the duration of any proposal seal. 
It says the uh, Trump appointed judge noted that a bevy of news organizations, including The New York Times, CNN, The Washington Post, The Wall Street Journal and Insider, have also opposed keeping the potential witnesses name private. Uh, Witnesses names private. The news organizations previously wrote to the court that sealing would deprive Americans from learning about a highly significant initial step in this extraordinary prosecution. As part of the conditions of Trump's release, the former president is not allowed to contact the potential witnesses about the case except through his counsel. The federal government was then instructed to provide a list of names to Trump and the court, setting off the current episode. The former president, their words not mine's own lawyers have strongly indicated that the potential witnesses could include senior officials and people who are still around Trump. Waltine Nada, who is charged alongside Trump, continues to be the former president's body man and was seen working for him outside the Miami courthouse on the morning of Trump's arraignment. Cannon has faced scrutiny in the past in previous cases related to Trump. Okay, so there you go. So there you see. So that's uh, that's that's a good uh, a good um, sign there, I would say. Right. So, I mean, for whatever reason, I mean, we don't know for whatever reason it is that Jack Smith, Jack Smith might be wanting to hide, you know, the names of these witnesses. I mean, quite often it's just uh, a part and parcel with uh, lawfare and litigation, I think. Um, next uh, statement comes, or next statement, next story comes from, ugh, uh, I know you might get a little bit of spittle in your mouth, salon.com, right? Judge Eileen Cannon sets utterly bananas trial date. Okay. Now, the reason why I wanted to share this article from Salon specifically is uh, so we could see the apprehension and the animus that these types of legacy outlets have toward Someone who's um, apparently trying to restore the Republic at least has a better track record than most in that regard. Okay, so uh, let's see. What does Salon.com have to say about Judge Eileen? You see, because like like uh, the previous um, article alluded to, and as I mentioned um, prior to that, you know, Judge Eileen Cannon has come under, you know, fire for... Uh, uh, making rulings that don't necessarily jive with the deep state or the globalists' uh, litigatory trajectories, you know. So Judge Eileen Cannon says Salon sets utterly bananas trial date. So let's try it. Let's let's chew on this for a second, right? Utterly bananas trial date. So why do you think it's utterly bananas? And then it says here, but experts expect Trump to delay the case. So just from reading that headline, right? It makes you think, for one, they're judging uh, they're judging Judge Eileen Cannon, right? For two, they're already telling you Trump is expected to delay the case. So what that tells me is that Judge Eileen Cannon is setting the case really soon, right? And, 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 and you know, not to jump the gun here, but I believe it's set for August, okay? So it's set, she set it for August. So let's see what Salon's musings are so we can kind of get an understanding, right? When you get this deep in, ladies and gentlemen, they are enemies of the state, right? Okay, so, well, I should say enemies of the grassroots, enemies of the people. Uh, Salon says the Trump-appointed judge overseeing his Mar-a-Lago indictment set a trial date for August. But legal experts expect that the proceedings will drag out much longer as President Donald Trump seeks to delay the case. Eileen Cannon, a controversial judge who earlier issued a series of rulings siding with 
The former president that were later overturned has almost unfettered discretion on how to manage the trial courtroom. And that was per Politico. It says this operative authority includes setting trial dates and determining how quickly it proceeds, scheduling deadlines, hearing arguments and entering rulings. The New York Times found that Cannon was on, has only spent 14 days in her already short tenure as a justice overseeing criminal trials, a level of experience that is not commensurate with the weight of impending trial and its implications. So they're using her uh, her experience against her, ladies and gentlemen, uh, because she it doesn't sound like she's the kind of person that's playing ball, right? And I would assess that from the first uh, from the first uh, settings that she um, uh, dealt with in uh, regard to President Trump in her courtroom. According to the Salon article, it says the Daily Beast reported that Cannon has slated Trump's trial for August 14, a far cry. From most federal trials, which often take up to a year or more as all parties ready themselves for legal battle. Uh, this is utterly bananas. Judge Cannon just set Trump's Mar-a-Lago classified documents trial in August. That's two months away. If this sticks, she's doing him a favor by getting this out before the 2024 election heats up. Therein lies the motive. Here's your modus operandi. Thank you, Jose Pagliari of the Daily Beast for painting out clearly exactly to my audience why they want this trial delayed. It could also be a hint as to why Judge Eileen Cannon set this trial date so early, if you think about it, right? Judge Eileen Cannon might be thinking to herself, well, we need to get this out of the way before we have our elections. Judge Eileen Cannon might be thinking this could be election interference, don't you think, right? Having to deal with this, President Trump having to deal with this case. They want this case to be like in court, like October, you know, uh, 15th through November 8th, right? <laughs> they want Trump's trial set for the two weeks of election, right? Anyways. Uh, let's see here what else it says. It says here, um, after reviewing Cannon's entire criminal case history, political reporter Kyle Cheney noted that uh, the judge has always set a super fast trial as a matter of practice and then repeatedly continued it as trial matters arose. In every single case, big and small, save for a few quick plea deals. Okay, so this seems to be part of Judge Cannon's, uh, you know, um, 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 uh, way of uh, doing business, uh, uh, so to speak. The trial date will, with absolute certainty, not actually happen, Cheney wrote. Kyle Cheney, huh? Who's this Kyle Cheney again? Politico reporter Kyle Cheney. Are you related to the Wyoming Cheneys? They're probably not even from Wyoming, right? He, he, you know... Uh, what's his face? Uh, Dick Cheney just probably told uh, his daughter, go to that state, Wyoming. They only have one representative seat opening and you can take care of all of it. Right. I mean, I know it's not one, but anyways. OK, uh, this Kyle Cheney says, I reviewed Cannon's entire criminal case history. She's always a super fast trial date. OK, so we already read that. Okay, so that kind of pretty much sums that up, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, we are looking at a trial date of August 14th. 
barring whether or not Trump's legal team actually uh, pushes the date back. Now, I would ask a question that wouldn't this be an interesting turn of events, right? What if President Trump's legal team goes with the trial date of August 14th? Because we already know, I mean, the American, you know, I'm pretty sure, ladies and gentlemen, I'm pretty sure as uh, the minority in this nation is actually the majority, okay? I'm pretty sure as I am that the minority in this nation is actually the majority. That's the grassroots, we the people, right? I'm pretty sure the, uh, uh, the, um, uh, the public opinion on this case favors President Trump, okay? I'm pretty sure the, the public opinion on this case favors President Trump. So I think it would be something if uh, President Trump and his legal team went along with uh, Judge Eileen Cannon's uh, trial date and they were able just to nip that in the butt before we even get into 2024. Proper, ladies and gentlemen. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, now that's going to take us into some of our election stories for this afternoon. So I hope you're ready. Like I said, we're going to start with a uh, brand spanking new story. It's not breaking. It got broken this morning, right? About 5 a.m. It's not breaking, but it is broken. <laughs> it's a story on the Supreme Court. Who wants to hear a story about the Supreme Court, right? Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have some uh, news coming out on a ruling, uh, an opinion and a ruling coming out of the Supreme Court in regards to elections. So we'll be doing some election stories for the next hour or so, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's start here. Supreme Court rejects unchecked state legislature power over federal election rules. So now this is coming from ABC News. So, you know, I see I see a headline like this and. You know, I got to wonder, like, um, what's really going on here? Because a Supreme Court rejects unchecked state legislature power over federal election rules. But, you know, someone like me is like, what about the Ninth and Tenth Amendment? You know, like, you know, I thought that, you know, elections were the responsibilities of the states. So what's going on here? What's the Supreme Court ruling on? And it has to do with elections. So uh, what's the import, right? Let's take a gander at what this article has to say so we can figure it out, ladies and gentlemen, for ourselves. It says here, the Supreme Court on Tuesday delivered a strong rejection of a controversial legal theory that threatened to upend state election laws nationwide and give state legislatures unchecked power over federal election rules. In a 6-3 decision written by Chief Justice John Roberts, the Supreme Court sided with a group of North Carolina voters who challenged an attempt by state Republican lawmakers to circumvent 
a state court decision that struck down a new gerrymandered election map. So, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Like when we're in the field of like obvious, obvious, excuse me, obvious election riggers, right? Uh, people who don't believe in the fidelity or the integrity of our elections, uh, people who willingly participate in fraud or in covering up the fraud. You know, when we're talking about Democrats and Republicans, because that is the uh, that is the boat that we've been forced into and forced to accept. You're either on that side of the boat or on this side of the boat. You're either on that side of the vote or you're on this side of the vote. You see how I did that? Boat and vote anyways. So um, ladies and gentlemen, you know, like when, when we have decisions coming in like this, like a group of North Carolina voters challenged Republican lawmakers and the lawmakers lost, but yet since we're team Trump and we're conservative Republican, we're anti-woke and we're anti-establishment uh, and we're anti-Democrat, well, these Republicans must be right, right? It must be the Supreme Court that's wrong, right? Well, then you also have to consider, you know, what chief justice voted for what, okay? And a Chief Justice John Roberts, I don't trust any farther than I could throw my mother or my father, and I would never throw my mother or my father, so why would I trust Chief Justice John Roberts, you know? Anyways, so then it would boil down to who voted on what, and then it would also boil down to who are these North Carolina voters that they sided with, right? Like, are these North Carolina voters like grassroots Republican or conservative or, you know, people who have a genuine concern about election um, fraud and election integrity? Or are these people like, you know, uh, a nonprofit, a nonprofit uh, Democrat, or you know, communist agency, right? All these things to think about, right? When we're looking at stories like this, all of these context clues, right? It says Roberts was joined by Justice Sonia Sotomayor, Elena Kagan, Contanja Brown Jackson, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett, right? So already, I don't really agree. I mean, if I were looking at just based on who voted for it, I would be like, nah, this is a wash. Like we should have, we should have voted the other way, right? <laughs> especially, especially if someone who cannot define a woman vote. I mean, like, can you define an election? Can you define a vote, Contangi Brown Jackson? Like, can you define anything, right? Or are you like one of those Dr. Pepper, like uh, 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 agnostics, right? It says at the heart of the case was a controversial legal concept dubbed the independent, uh, independent state legislature theory, which contends the election clause of the U.S. Constitution provides state legislators alone the power to govern federal elections unencumbered by traditional oversight from state constitutions, courts, and governors. Election and democracy experts warned the theory, if adopted in its most extreme application, could have a dramatic impact on how elections are run. State lawmakers would have unfettered power to rewrite voting rules, potentially putting at risk mail voting, same-day voter registration, ranked-choice voting systems, and other statutes for federal races, experts previously told ABC News. They also expressed concern partisan gerrymandering would sharply increase if the theory were embraced. So I kind of feel like the whole idea of 
partisan gerrymandering increasing is a little bit of a hedge. It's a little bit of a cop-out hedge, right? Because think about it. Like, what is it that the Democrats tried to do as soon as Joe Biden stole that office, right? The first bill they put on the table was H.R. 1, which was a federal takeover of our elections all the way down to the state level. Now, for those of you who only vote once or twice a year, okay? Oh, no, no, wait. For those of you who only vote in the major elections once every two years, you might not be aware that there are actually state and local elections, okay? So what this seems to be doing is it seems to have challenged the notion that um, the state can overwrite federal rules. Now, people are saying, what do you mean federal elections? I thought all elections were federal. Well, you probably don't vote. <laughs> You probably think people just put numbers in the computer and that there's no ballots involved. But even the ballots, ladies and gentlemen, like a heart intercivic, right? We'll talk about that in a minute. Heart intercivics out of Houston and Harris County, right? We'll talk about them in a sec. That's coming up. Okay. But like, you know, um, what they're, what this is posturing to me. Okay. So let's talk about the federal elections and the state elections, right? You have your state elections, you know, at least once every two years, if you actually vote in them, okay? You have your city elections, which happen at least every two years if you actually vote in them, right? You know, like I can vote probably in a two-year period about four to six times. Can you vote four to six times in a two-year? Do you vote four to six times? That's how many times you have the chance to vote, not even counting runoffs, right? So anyways, guys, anyways, um, so, you know, when the Democrats tried to pass H.R. 1, which would have given federal control of our elections in Toto, right, that would have gone down to our city elections, our municipal elections, our local government elections, our state elections. So this seems to be like we have a reverse coming in here. OK, it seems to be like we have a reverse. Now, what do they mean by federal elections? Well, that would be the elections that you vote in. Right. The one that you vote in, which is like the presidential election. Right? That's the only election that most people vote in. Right. So that would be like a federal election because you're voting for an office on a nationwide scale. Right. OK, so therein is your difference for those of you who only vote once every two years. OK. So uh, that's why this is important, because we have elections that happen throughout the year, not just once in every two years. OK, and then uh, those those are not subject to federal rules. They're only state elections they're only city elections. But I don't know, guys. I mean, I feel like maybe the ger gerrymandering thing was just a reason to not go along with it, because um Basically, this is saying like if the at the federal level, we require that you have mail in ballots, uh, you know, automatically or you. And if they really wanted to push that, you know, I mean, the states would be helpless to that, you know. So, I mean, this is still to me a bit of a back and forth between the state and the federal Based on this ruling, like I'm pretty sure that the federal level might feel like they could start asserting certain rights or asserting certain uh, procedures and elections based on this ruling. But I'm pretty sure the states would fight it back. You know, I'm pretty sure the states would fight it back. It seems like there's there's always like this cover, or this other extra, you know, extracurricular thing that's going on with these cases that um, keeps it away from its purest sense for ruling, if that makes sense to you guys. Anyways, 
So, in other words, in other words, there's another thing in this case that would keep it from, you know, that would keep someone like a, a Judge um, Roberts or a Judge Kavanaugh or even uh, uh, Comey Barrett from ruling on its favor because there's just something that gets in the way for them. You know, but then you have to hear the dissenters, right? You have to hear the dissent that Gorsuch dissented, you know, uh, uh, Clarence Thomas dissented and stuff like that. So let's finish reading this article so we can get more picture, a clear picture of it. It says, um, so again, like it says here, election and democracy experts warned the theory if adopted in its most extreme application could have a dramatic impact on how elections are run. State lawmakers would have unfettered power to rewrite voting rules. So you see they're they're concerned about mail-in voting. They're concerned about same-day voter registration, right? They're concerned about ranked choice voting. And did you guys know in California there was uh, there were races that were upset over there by fraud and ranked choice voting? Yeah, I, I, I captured those stories this weekend. So it says, uh, and other statutes for federal races. Uh, it says they also express concern partisan. Okay, the gerrymandering I think thing, again, I think is something that they're they're just kind of using as a hedge. Challenger said the theory would have unleashed a dangerous and unprecedented scheme on the eve of the 2024 presidential elections. Roberts roundly repudiated the theory, stating the election clause does not insulate state legislatures from the ordinary exercise of state judicial review. And I don't think it does either. I think that the state legislature should uh, ju judicial uh, state judiciary should absolutely review what the state legislature does. It says here, in interpreting state law in this area, state courts may not so exceed in the bounds of ordinary judicial review as to unconstitutionally intrude upon the role specifically reserved to the state legislatures by Article 1, Section 4 of the federal constitution. However, Justice Clarence Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, and Samuel Alito dissented the justices argued the case should have dismissed given should have dismissed given state level developments. The North Carolina Supreme Court, under a new Republican majority in April, reversed its previous ruling that said the gerrymandered maps were illegal. This is a straightforward case of mootness, Thomas wrote. The federal defense no longer makes any difference to this case, whether we agree with the defense, disagree with it, or say nothing at all. The final judgment in this litigation will be exactly the same. So that's another interesting development there too, right? The fact that this this case never ha does not even have water in uh, in the purview of the Supreme Court anymore because it's been it's been reversed at the state level. Why on earth then are these justices ruling on this case, right? Anyhow. Uh, there's a statement here from this individual who's representing the plaintiffs, who's happy and celebrating the ruling. Um, it does say down here to finish off the, uh, it does say down here to finish off the article. However, voting rights advocates also praise the decision as upholding a key protection for voters. Former attorney general, Eric Holder described the decision as a win for our system of checks and balances, the cornerstone of American democracy, which to me tells me that this ruling is, is not something that's in favor of the people. Okay. He's like, you don't want to be unfair. You don't want to be biased. You don't want to be partial. But when you know you're, you're dealing with, you know, a point of view that's coming out of the mouth of communist scum, right? 
probably it would have been better if they ruled in the other direction. So, I mean, you know, neither here nor there, ladies and gentlemen, I would assess that this ruling will just bounce back and forth. There will be other cases that will be brought to the Supreme Court over this ruling, I'm sure, okay? And the uh, pantomime of politics in regards to exposing election fraud and actually doing good for our elections will continue, ladies and gentlemen. It will continue, and we will continue to be jerked along. Okay? All right, guys. Let's talk now about... Uh, we're going to do some Texas stories, guys. So if you're from the state of Texas, get your pens and paper out because uh, we need some help over here, especially if you've got a show. All right. Hey, Raven2000, what's going on? Uh, Raven2000 is hanging out. Uh, West Virginia just moved here, joined the representative group, Republican group and GOP in West Virginia. So the uh, so Raven2000 reports the West Virginia Republican GOP is pushing DeSantis. Uh, she says, I was shocked. They are either commies or stupid. I say commies. I say they're commies. Yeah. Uh, Raven uh, 2000 says um, DeSantis is a hoax. They said, oh, she said she told them DeSantis is a hoax. They said, no, he's not. They start to disagree, but said we need to move on. Damn it, says Raven 2000. I will never give up. I'm going to see if they have committee men. Ha ha. Do it, Raven 2000. You know, there's so many articles out there that show that Ron DeSantis is a rhino, is an establishment worker. You know, I bet if you were just to, you know, print out some of those articles or, you know, even clip out some of our videos here from the C Report and send them over, it might give them a little bit of food for thought. Um, isn't that interesting, though? So, you know, at the local level, Raven 2000, you're looking at your rhinos. You're looking at your establishment uniparty politicians. You know, these are the same very ones who are saying that there was no red wave. These are the same ones who are on the Trump train in 2016, 2020 period time. And uh, now uh, that uh, they're uh, hoping, they're hoping that the marketing and media campaign of Ron DeSantis will carry him through and that the mouthpiece and the megaphone of the mainstream lamestream will uh, help to keep the subterfuge afloat and not sink. Um, but if we show them the truth at our local level, if we reach out to them, if we speak to them, if we're honest with them and we have open conversations, you know, one of two things will happen. Either they will open their heart and their mind or they will reveal to you their true intentions. So on the ground is absolutely important to be involved. And I'm glad you're involved there in West Virginia and their politics. Raven, awesomeness. Okay, that means I'm going to have to that means I'm going to have to clip out some more of my Ron DeSantis clips. I mean, yeah, and then don't forget, if you're hanging out over at Rumble, I have a secondary page. Just click on the link down below. It's a, our second Rumble page where you get clips of the C-Report as well as uh, other videos I upload that are pertinent to the information that I share here on the channel. All right, guys. Glad to have you with us this afternoon, Raven2000. Hope you and yours are doing well. Let's talk Texas, okay? Let us talk a little bit about Texas. A couple of developments here on the front of elections. Uh, the first one that we are going to cover, of course, is the most important, and that would be what is going on in Harris County. Now, I had to reach out to President Trump, not that he listens to my type, 
But, you know, um, it's because, you know, we're at a point in Harris County, we've got 22 candidates, not including the ones from Galveston County. Okay. That's south of Harris County, south of Houston. Right. Okay. But, um, but if we're talking about the ones in Harris County, because I don't think the one in Galveston County is doing anything other than praying and telling everyone to pray for her. Right. Okay. Nothing wrong with that, but she's not suing anyways. Okay. So uh, the ones in Harris County are actually suing. Okay. Like we've got litigation on the table. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to find some of this material, but it's coming out a little at a time. Uh, of course, it's also kind of hard when you're contacting the representatives and the senators who are writing up this legislation and they're not willing to get back to you and stuff like that. Um, but that's besides the point. That's neither here nor there. We'll continue to do what we can to bring some sunlight to this story, ladies and gentlemen. It would be a big help if we had people on a national scale getting ready to uh, to speak about the story because uh, I'm going to share a video from you. I have a new update from um, Dulcefino um, Consulting. Now, uh, we uh, shared with you some information from um, Wayne Dulcefino who was hired by Mattress Mac of Houston, Texas, to investigate what was going on in the 2022 midterm elections in Harris County, where we saw um, botched elections and voter suppression that rival those of Maricopa County, you know, in Arizona. Okay. Uh, funny to think about it. The, the third and fourth most populous populated states in uh, counties in America the third and fourth most populated counties in America, Harris County, Texas, and, um, and, and Maricopa County, Arizona, Houston, Texas, and Phoenix, Arizona, ladies and gentlemen, we have almost identical bouts of voter suppression and botched elections happening. Now, a lot of people don't like to hear about the botched elections of, uh, of Harris County. Maybe it's because like, I don't know, it's, it's been seven months since it happened, right? And no one's cared to cover it, you know? But uh, let's take a look. I'm going to play a video for you guys from um, Dulcefino Consulting. It's the latest update of the kind. Okay. It's the latest update of the kind. Very, very, I mean, I, I mean, I really want to, I really need to get a head in on this. This is a startling new developments. Okay. Now, uh, this is this is the only update I have to bring to you at the moment. I'll try and get more information um, as the week progresses. But apparently one of the 22 candidates who is suing Harris County over these botched elections has new evidence that shows 17,000 ballots were not counted in this election and is calling for an immediate redo. So where Maricopa County and, you know, this is not I mean, Maricopa County is playing hardball and they are they are just being downright criminals over there. The corruption in the in the Arizona state judiciary is unfathomable. I mean, they it is unfathomable, unfathomable how corrupt that judicial system in Arizona is. OK. So, but, but, but what are we going to have? Is Texas going to redo its election in Harris County and the nation's not going to hear about it or what? I mean, like, is would this not be a victory, you know, like that maybe people who do shows like this should maybe start talking about it, you know, maybe, you know, don't, don't, don't talk about someone who's involved in your influencer sphere, like, you know, the candidates who are like the, the General Flynn candidates, right? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with General Flynn candidates, but they're part of this influencer network, right? 
And, and the people who are part of that General Flynn influencer network, for example, are pushing these candidates are doing nothing. But yet they're expecting to get kudos from their audience like they know what they're talking about. I'm like, you're going to talk about elections in your own state and then you're going to talk about someone who's doing nothing just because, you know, you're listening to someone else's show. Because just because Jack Posobiec, who's part of the Flynn, I'm sure he's part of the Flynn network, right? I mean, he was in, it doesn't matter. Anyways, but you know, they're pushing these candidates who are just, they're talking, God appointed me, God said it was me. And if you don't vote for me, you're going to hell. Like, what the heck kind of a candidate is that? I, you know, I'm just saying, guys. Now, we have, for example, uh, Aaron Lunsford, who is running for judge in uh, Harris County proper. OK, like actual Harris County, like within the county, <laughs> within the county line, you know, and she found. Uh, well, let's let's just check out the Dulcefino report. OK, let's check this out. You guys can see it for yourselves. This is going to be your update on Houston, Texas, Harris County's botched elections for 2022 with more coming. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be on this like Oprah on white rice. Here we go. The fresh new details double down on the number of possible illegal votes counted in the horribly botched November election. This is an example of people not following rules and getting a result where we all question whether our vote mattered. We are not afraid to tell the public what happened. It's in our document and we're going to follow this evidence wherever it leads, whether it helps us or whether it hurts us. Now, Erin Lunsford says she has evidence of more than 17,000 illegally counted votes. Election returns show Lunsford lost the 189th District Court Judge race, according to Harris County, by just 2,743 votes, 0.3% of more than a million votes. Lawyer Andy Taylor says his witness list will include Election Day workers who will allegedly detail the mistakes in the counting of mail-in ballots. One election worker, the lawsuit says, identified voters who voted twice and voters who cast ballots even though they had canceled voter registration. I believe you should follow rules. Lunsford isn't even addressing the evidence of voter suppression in the last election because of ballot paper shortages and the dozens of polling locations that open late or fail to stay open as long as they should. Most of the 100-plus polling locations that turned away voters, according to precinct judges, were typically Republican strongholds. What else we're doing because some of us are wrapped around the little finger of a woman who I don't know what the fuck she's threatened you with. But she's not totally losing it at commissioner's court meetings. County Judge Lena Hidalgo and her Democratic commissioner are spending tax money to keep election day communications a secret and fight a new law that would return elections to an elected official instead of the appointed election administrator we have now. The Lunsford case may be the first election challenge to end up before a judge at the end of July. It could set the stage for new elections. So that is quite an update, wouldn't you say, ladies and gentlemen, if you know you're 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 only going to hear about Houston, Texas 2022 on this channel. OK, 
you might get to, you might get close to Galveston. That's just south of Houston, but you know, no money. Sorry, no dice. Okay, this is the story. All right, until until uh until Miss Garcia decides to file a lawsuit, right? Instead of just talk about you know the wrath of God coming down on those. Uh, anyways, so Dulcefino, um, Wayne Dulcefino, he's a, he's, a, he's an awarded journalist, uh, investigative journalist, apparently he used to work for the networks and has since then, uh, just done local work and investigation. He does a lot more than, you know, he does, he's, he's, he's an investigator for hire, you know? So like, uh, he does a lot of work for Texas and also on the national level, he's got some stories that uh, stuff happening in California, New York, right? But uh, it just so happens that uh, one of the uh, plaintiffs against Harris County, Mattress Mac, hired him to do this work. So thank thank you to Wayne Dulcefino and Mattress Mac for keeping this on the radar because nobody else is talking about Houston, Texas or Harris County. If they want to get in on the conversation, I suggest they just start because we need as much. Wouldn't it be something if they had an election redo in Harris County and there was not one blip on the radar screen from any of the influencers out there? Are we going to let that happen, guys? Come on, guys. Are we going to let that happen? Anyways, can you guys hear me? Sorry. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I had one of my little uh, sensors off over here. So one of my sensors on my side of the screen said I wasn't on. <laughs> I wasn't speaking. So uh, just thought I would ask. So that's a quick update. Um, now, Aaron Lunsford, like I said, was one of the judges. Now, that was crazy. Also, you guys saw that, right? That Lena Hidalgo, otherwise known as Lunatic Hidalgo, right? Otherwise known as Lunatic Hidalgo. Now, she's the county judge of Harris County, right? She's the crooked activist leftist judge who is uh presides over the commissioner's court in harris county she's been doing everything in her might to keep all election records and communications hidden concealed and sealed ladies and gentlemen that's what she has been doing um but that was a, a man so yeah i i forgot to I, she also she also let an f-bomb drop I didn't give you guys a heads up on that one. I apologize, but uh, here was here was this this was interesting. Over, so we'll we'll talk a little bit of Houston politics, and I got another Texas election story for you guys. Okay, Lena Hidalgo, real quick. Now, this is again. Now, this woman, she's corrupt as sin, ladies and gentlemen. She is corrupt as sin. She is actually endorsing Sheila Jackson Lee for mayor of Houston. These people who have been involved in election rigging and election scamming for decades, you know, if anyone would know the story, it would be Catherine Engelbricht from True the Vote, right? <clears throat> like, because she's from Houston, okay? So they've dealt with these people before, right? But this was interesting. Apparently, Lunatic Hidalgo, Lena Hidalgo, has some, like, she has some, uh, she has some, uh, uh, some fight going on with George Soros appointed district attorney DA Og, uh, district attorney Og. Now I know, and I know, I know I said George Soros appointed. Hello. I mean, he only, she was only like the first out of the gates. She like district attorney Kim Og was basically like George Soros is like one of his first, if not the first district attorney that he bought in this nation. She's probably like the second one. Like she's one of the early crew, right? So it's really interesting to me that uh, people like Lena Hidalgo, uh, the the judge of this uh, of this place, and like you know uh, George Soros district attorney are fighting with each other, right? 
So in regards to uh, George Soros's district attorney, apparently Lena Hidalgo dropped this F-bomb. She says, I don't know what the F this DA Aug has on these commissioners. You know, the reason why I highlighted that is because it, to me, shows the culture of blackmail, right? That that Lena Hidalgo can say without even blinking or even blushing that someone has something on someone and that's how we do it in Houston. It rolled off the tongue way too easily for me uh, to, to think otherwise, ladies and gentlemen, about that. So, yeah, I know we're talking local politics here on the Sea Report. We got to do America first. We got to do Texas first sometimes. It's this year. The moment during the formal meeting came after Precinct 2 Commissioner Adrian Garcia suggested reaching out to the sheriff's office and the district attorney's office about a program aimed at reducing violence by partnering mentors with at-risk youth. And Alina Hidalgo did not like that idea, right? It says Hidalgo backed against the idea, explaining it would risk getting the mentors labeled as snitches and would undermine their work. Uh, Lena Hidalgo is all about keeping it in-house as long as the house is in her favor, ladies and gentlemen. She said, if my colleagues want to put this in the district attorney's or uh, the sheriff's office, then we are going to take a vote and be on the record about who wants it to go where so that I can explain to my community what else we're doing because some of us are so wrapped up around the little finger of a woman who I don't know what the F she's threatening you with. So uh, the judge's comments prompted a, a reaction from uh, Garcia. It drew condemnation from the one lone Republican on the court, Tom Ramsey, who said Tuesday he would wait all day for an apology. Now, get this, guys. The reason why Lena Hidalgo, and this is what I'm talking about. These are the kind of politics she plays in her courtroom. Okay. This is why Lena Hidalgo, as a judge, will not apologize, will not even be professional in her own court. She says, women and women in positions of power in particular constantly navigate a world that expects them to be both strong and vulnerable, assertive, but not aggressive. Judge Hidalgo is not interested in dwelling on a passing remark that no man would be asked to justify. That's right. That's how Lena Hidalgo, she, I don't know how she does it. She uses gender shit. She uses race crap. She uses all of this crap. Hidalgo's office said her comment would not have drawn attention if she were a man. Sounds to me like Judge Hidalgo needs to relinquish her seat. Okay, because she plays party politics, race politics, gender politics. And the people of Houston and Harris just give in to her. Okay. It's like, I don't know what Judge Lunatic Hidalgo has on all the people in Houston in order for her to keep ruling and doing what she does. I don't know what Judge Lena Hidalgo has on members of the Texas Senate or the Texas House in order for her to keep on doing and pushing the things that she does. I don't know what Lena Hidalgo has on members of the Texas Secretary of State that they're going to go ahead and cover up and whitewash a botched election from 2022. They're already doing it. They're already doing it. I'm, I bet someone like Judge Lunsford, who has this new evidence, is a big old pain in their butt. And that's why they don't want the influencers talking about Houston. Because the influencers are allowed to talk about Maricopa County. Because that is a highly controlled situation. 
What you got going on in Houston, Texas, and in Luzerne County, Pennsylvania, is different, okay? They'll take you to the county line of Harris County. They'll take you to Galveston, Texas, and they'll tell you about a Flynn-backed candidate who did not win, who was beaten by a Republican who had, I think, the support of President Trump, okay? And then they'll say, oh, that's election fraud. And then they'll say, that's the only time it happened. Like, that's... What the hell, right? Like, why are we taking our people to the promise? We're taking them to the gate, but we're not getting them through. You know, are we gatekeepers here, right? To so nobody again, nobody's talking about Harris County. Nobody's talking about Harris County, Texas, right? It's a blip. It's not even a blip in the radar, ladies and gentlemen. And they are getting ready to redo this election. And you know why? The only reason why people probably aren't talking about it because they weren't talking about it six months ago, and now they feel too late right? Oh, I'm too late. I wasn't the first to report it. I wasn't the first to share the story. I didn't get the scoop. Yeah, these people. Anyways, okay. So Harris County, guys, that's happening. Now, here was the other thing that I was saying. Again, we have this whole thing from uh, Lena Hidalgo, who's using like this, it's it's a man, it's a man's world. And as long as you won't do it for the man, then I'm not going to do it either. Right? I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that uh, she gets to get away with this in her court. But again, she's been doing it for quite a few years now. Um, and then we have the district attorney, Kim Og. That's Kim Og, in case you guys didn't know. Now, Kim Og was also forced to um, um, report on the botched 2022 midterm elections per uh, the uh, statutes in our in our law. She had no choice but to do it, guys. But uh, these two have been fighting it out. Uh, these two have been fighting it out over there in Houston, Texas. I guess at some point, you know, we'll forget about this story as well, right? Okay. Let's talk about Greg Abbott. Ooh, I wasn't expecting his background to match my background. All right, Wills Abbott, why are you on my screen, sir? Okay, so well, we have um, a new, uh, we have some new election bills that were uh, being passed into law. Right. Um, uh, some of them dealing with specifically Harris County. We'll see how that one goes, because where it doesn't specifically call out Harris County, <laughs> it does specifically call out counties that only have the population of Harris County. So I guess we'll see how that goes. Right. Uh, but there was some um, new laws that were going. Th there was even a new election law that uh, Governor Abbott vetoed. So, the, you know, that would make one wonder, what is he vetoing a bill that has to do with election integrity concerns? Now, here's the thing. When it's a law or a legislation that actually deals with election fraud, it usually has fraud some in, somewhere in there. If it's dealing with election integrity, it's usually the integrity of the fraudulent elections that they've built up around the American people. Hallelujah, we're getting the idea. The vague language of the measure would have opened doors for more mail-in ballot fraud. So you see, even when we're able to pass legislation that would remove things like 24-hour voting, 24-hour mail-in drop ballots, uh, ballot voting that goes to everybody and anybody that they decide to just because they're on some list that's outdated and, unma and, and unmanaged. You know, we still have state lawmakers that are trying to sneak in legislation that would open the door for election fraud. And uh, no surprise, ladies and gentlemen, if <laughs> maybe if you're a member of the Texas voting audience on this channel, no surprise, it was a Republican who did it. Okay. 
So it says here, in a move that has ignited a firestorm of controversy, Governor Greg Abbott vetoed a measure aimed at expanding the voting rights of disabled Texans. The measure's vague wording would have put the election system at more risk of malfeasance. The veto of House Bill 3159 was seen as a victory by election integrity advocates authored by State Representative Jeff Leach. Now, this guy is an ardent rhino. Okay, Jeff Leach, big, 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 big rhino, ladies and gentlemen. This is the guy who nominated Dade Phelan to be Speaker of the House. Dade Phelan, the known rhino, who is now moving to impeach. Attorney General Ken Paxton, same people, guys. So this guy, Jeff Leach, he's Republican. He uh, came in on the uh, this is this is one of the guys who came in on the um, on the, the Tea Party wave back in 2012, 2013 ish, back in that time period. Right. This is one of those guys. OK, this is one of those guys, Jeff Leach. Right. So he's authoring a bill that would have allowed um, a greater risk of malfeasance and mail in voting. Right. Because of the uh, of the language of the bill, the language of the bill that sought to provide certain voters access to electronic absentee ballots. However, Abbott expressed concern about the vague language of the bill. Abbott's veto drew heavy criticism from supporters of the legislation, especially Busey. Uh, Busey was the other author of the bill, John Busey III. He's a Democrat from Austin. Okay, so no wonder you have a Democrat and a Republican teaming up on this bill, right? It says here, um, uh, Busey says, I think the governor got it wrong. He said, not just on the interpretation of the bill, but also just got it wrong on the opportunity to pass some really forward thinking. Paul, what is forward thinking? Okay. First of all, if that's coming from a Democrat, I don't want to know. Okay. Cause it's probably rather deductive. Okay. In the official veto proclamation, Abbott said HB 3159 vaguely detailed who was qualified to apply for electronic ballots and therefore was susceptible to unintended consequences. According to the author, House Bill number 3159 is intended to benefit blind, visually impaired Texans, uh, people with dyslexia or persons with limited dexterity, Abbott wrote. The text of this bill is not limiting, limited to assisting this group. HB 3159 allows any voters who qualifies to vote by mail to receive a ballot electronically. Needless to say, advocates for election integrity view Abbott's veto of HB 3159 as yet another win. Uh, the uh, 88th legislative session witnessed some wins for election integrity, but more work remains. The debate surrounding election security continues to intensify ahead of the 2024 election. You know, the Texas legislature is doing nothing for the state of Texas. Okay. They're passing bills that are a little bit too late, a little bit wanting. Okay. Uh, they are um, basically they've got most Texans caught because most Texans aren't paying attention. Let's face it. Right. They're not paying attention. Okay. They are far more concerned with sounding like a news reporter and reading their scripts like someone who's on the TV okay, screen than they are with actual stories that move the needle forward. They're more concerned with sharing their opinions that's been shared 30 times over by the same people on the same networks that they're on rather than actually searching down and sharing a story that they're passionate about 
they're passionate about sounding like a newscaster. Okay. They're not passionate about telling you uh, the stories that you want to hear. I mean, come on. How many Texas viewers that I do I have that even know any of this stuff is going on? I would like to know. Because if you if there are a lot of them, then I'm not even doing my job. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, so you know, this was a good one, right? This was a good catch. We had a hardcore rhino and we had a hardcore communist. Both of them are Texas representatives who authored this bill, ladies and gentlemen, that would have given them unfettered uh, ability to give anyone who qualifies for an absentee ballot an electronic absentee ballot. Are you serious, Texas? Are you serious? Anyways, Jeff Leach, he got to go. Okay. But, you know, I get it. Our elections are selected. People are not elected. So uh, that's why we still have Jeff Leach, I'm sure. Okay. Uh, real quick, ladies and gentlemen, so that all the other influencers can give you guys an update tomorrow or tonight on Ken Paxton or the next day. Uh, Ken Paxton, uh, his impeachment proceedings will be moving forward on September 5th, 2023. Uh, and, uh, you know, okay, this is this is also kind of way I'm seeing it. I see this whole Ken Paxton impeachment as another pantomime, ladies and gentlemen. It's another shadow boxing session. It's more theater because Paxton's the only one who could prosecute what's going on in Harris County or any of the other election stuff that's going on. So they would rather sick. Uh, they would rather sick former secretary of state under Abbott number. Was he number five? Right. John Scott. <laughs> The red, yellow, the red rose, yellow rose poll watcher, John Scott, right? The one who supposedly wrote the forensic audit, which I wouldn't put my name on that audit. It was not a forensic audit, ladies and gentlemen. All it was was risk limiting for the state of Texas to limit the risk of the fraud being caught. That's all that was. It was a big old shim sham flim flam forensic audit, ladies and gentlemen. I hope President Trump hears that, you know, Governor Abbott oversaw a fake forensic audit at the behest of President Trump. Don't look good either way you spin it. Ladies and gentlemen, Senator, um, uh, sorry, excuse me, Senator Paxton, that would be the wife, not the husband, Attorney General Ken Paxton. Uh, his impeachment trial will be set for September 5th. Now, as long as Ken Paxton is going to trial for impeachment, he cannot do diddly squat in his office. And uh, they need a whole bunch of diddly squat and thumb sitting happening there right now, considering that the border's open, considering that election fraud is running rampant in Texas and no one's paying attention to it. Rules have been set for the upcoming trial. It says, um, after 36 hours of deliberation this week, the Senate announced Wednesday that it had come to an agreement on a set of rules for how the impeachment process will be conducted with a trial start date of September 5, 2023 at 9 a.m. The trial is expected to last around two weeks with live testimony allowed. Senators must believe Ken, uh, Paxton is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt in order to vote to remove him from office. State Senator Angela Paxton, his spouse, now this is, this is Ken Paxton's wife, she is a senator for the state of Texas. She will be allowed to sit in the proceedings, but will be unable to vote. Earlier this week, she said she would take place in the pro take part in the process. Attorney General Paxton will also be afforded the opportunity to file a motion to dismiss, meaning the charges could potentially be thrown out before the trial begins. 
Senators are treated like jurors and as such will be under a gag order that prevents them from talking about their thoughts on the impeachment until the Senate's deliberations. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick will oversee the proceedings or appoint a senior who is not up for election in 2024 to do so. Uh, Lieutenant Diane says, after two days of thoughtful deliberation, the Texas Senate has adopted rules for the impeachment trial of Attorney General uh, Paxton. The Senate will perform its duty per the Texas Constitution. Paxton was impeached by the blah, 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 blah. So we already know they did this now. Uh, OK, now as a Texas voter and someone who's voted for Paxton at least three times, at least three times, it's probably four or five. Um, But uh, ladies and gentlemen. Of the jury and the esteemed audience. We already knew about everything that they're trying to throw at Paxton. Okay. I think at this point, the only thing that they could have Paxton on the hook for is the willingness or the lack of will for the American, for the Texas voters and the Texas taxpayers to pay that $3 million settlement you know, that he has with his uh, staff uh, that are suing him. I think that's the only thing that they have him on the hook for is the willingness or the lack of willingness of Texas taxpayers to flip the bill, you know. But my assessment as a Texas voter, as someone who is already aware of all of these uh, these uh, allegations against uh, Attorney General Paxton, my assessment as someone who's voted for Ken Paxton you know, at least, I'm going to say at least four times for sure, two primaries and two generals, at least four times for sure, you know, already aware of all of these allegations, ladies and gentlemen. And when I consider the amount of work that he has done for not just election integrity and exposing election fraud, for uh, trying to to uh, expose um, the, uh, the weight of decision that uh, Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin made that, you know, remember Ken Paxton, he's the one who led that to try and get uh, to, he sued Pennsylvania for them not uh, following through on, on the whole election fraud issues over there. Right. He sued, he was, he was leading on that. Right. But Ken Paxton has done more than that. He's done. He sued the Biden. He was the first uh, AG in the nation to sue Biden on the border issues. Uh, he was one of the first AGs on a lot of issues to sue the Biden administration. So I would say Ken Paxton has earned that payout there has earned that settlement fee that uh, I'll, I'll pay that as a Texas. You, the people of Texas already have me on the hook for everything. We already have like what a $27 billion surplus that they're not giving back to. Why don't you take $3 million out of that $27 billion surplus? And since you're not giving it back to Texans or lowering our, or lowering or abolishing our, our property taxes, why don't you just give it to Ken Paxton's office and pay off these people who are throwing these allegations at him? That's what I say as a Texas voter. So as, as a Texas taxpayer, that's what I say we should do, ladies and gentlemen, but that's just me. That's not the purview of my state legislators, you know, you know, and, and, and I, I have a Democrat as my, you know, uh, representative Fisher, you know, of course he's going to vote Mar Fisher Martinez. Of course he's going to vote to, uh, impeach Ken, Ken Paxton, you know, uh, uh, Senator Menendez, my state Senator, he's a Democrat. Of course he's going to vote to impeach Ken Paxton. Because it, it is it is a pantomime of party politics, and for the most part, they're all uniparty anyways, ladies and gentlemen.
Now, before we move on from the Ken Paxton impeachment proceedings topic, uh, there was one other tidbit of info I wanted to share with y'all. Oh, rats. Let me see if I can't pull this back up. Okay. So uh, this was an article um, I pulled about uh, the impeaching of Ken Paxton. Okay. And I just wanted to share this with you guys because I was looking, I was looking over this at like who done it kind of a thing, right? Who done it? <laughs> who done it, right? So I was kind of surprised. Now you'll like we have so many Republicans from the Texas House that voted to impeach Paxton. It is insane. But you know, like when I'm looking down the list here, like someone like Steve Allison, there's a San Antonio Republican that voted to impeach Ken Paxton. Shame on him. But I mean, there's so many of them here. Charles Doc Anderson, Trent Ashby, Ernest Bayless, uh, Cecil Bell, Keith Bell, uh, Greg Bonin, uh, Brad Buckley, uh, Benjamin Bumgarner. A lot of these I don't know. Like Benjamin Bumgarner, for example, he is a freshman. Brand spanking new. He's just going along to get along. This guy has no backbone of his own, right? There's more. Here's another one. He, look at all these Republicans. Look at this one's the one of the biggest disappointments. Briscoe Kane. Now, Briscoe Kane is supposedly fighting for election fraud exposure in Harris County. Now, Briscoe Kane is from Harris County, okay? Let's talk about Briscoe Kane real quick, since I got to educate other people about their representatives, right? Briscoe Kane, ladies and gentlemen. He is getting up there in front of press conferences talking about the botched 2022 midterm elections, talking about how it was bad for Republicans. He's up there with Senator Betancourt doing their thing, just talking about it. All the meanwhile, he's getting invited to like the Council for National Policy dinners. He's serving on their board over there and stuff like that. And then when we get right down to it, we have what? America's Attorney General, Ken Paxton, right? The one who went to bat first and foremost out of the majority of our attorneys general here in these 50. And someone like Briscoe Kane, who is telling us that he cares about election integrity, is he is neutering, he is neutering the attempts and efforts of those who are trying to get their elections rectified in his own county, in his own district. Okay. This is what I'm talking about the cover up and the whitewash. Okay. The duplicitousness that Briscoe Kane can get up there and tell the people of Houston one thing, and then he can go and he can put uh, the Attorney General of Texas up for impeachment. This guy is not a Freedom Caucus member. He says he's America first. He says he's Texas first. He says he's a Texas Freedom Caucus member. All this crap, okay? Well, for Briscoe Kane, this is what you getting, buddy. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Briscoe Kane's getting a, a a rhino alert. And I think that's the first time I've given him one. Now, I'm not going to go through all of these names, right? I mean, you should know your state rep, okay? You should know their name, right? I will say, though, I was extremely surprised that this guy right here, Mark Durazio, I've had words with this man in person before. Okay, so 
<laughs> I was surprised he voted nay. I was really surprised he voted nay. I was surprised this man voted nay. Now, don't get me wrong. The way I see San Antonio politicians is they're all dirks. Now, you guys know what a dirk is, right? Now, you guys, we're going to have to do something called the dirk alert, right? That goes like this. Except instead of rhino, it's going to say Dirk alert, D-I-R-C. Here, let me spell it out for you, okay, guy? <laughs> Here, we're going to have a teaching moment here on the C-Report. Dirk, okay, Dirk alert, not demon, Democrat. <laughs> okay, in Republican, uh, not Republican, Republican clothing okay here we go so you guys can see it all right and if someone else wants to put it on a shirt well i don't care okay see look right here dirk democrat right democrat in republican clothing okay <laughs> see now, now for for the for the republicans in san antonio i'm usually playing dirk alerts right not dick alerts dirk alerts okay they're democrats and republican they're not Republican. They're not Republican in name only. Okay. There is a difference between a Republican in name only who genuinely is conservative, but extremely selfish and for the establishment. And then they're the Democrats in Republican clothing who all of their policies are democratic. They just don the name. They're not conservative at all. Okay. <laughs> they are establishment, but they're not conservative. Okay. Therein lies the difference. So I was just surprised. Okay, we weren't going to go over this list for much longer, guys. I was just, it sparked my interest to share with y'all. All right, guys, let's move over to Luzerne County, Pennsylvania, as we're talking about the 2022 botched elections that no one else seems to have the time of day for, because I guess I don't know what the heck, right? It's because, like I said, if the Gateway Pundit doesn't you know, report about it. They don't report about it. You know, if the Epic Times or Breitbart or Citizen Press does not report on it, they don't report on it, right? Okay. Luzerne County, you can find these uh, stories in the pages of the mainstream lamestream. It might be a minute before it makes its rounds on the alternative independent, but Luzerne County, Pennsylvania, I think Scranton is probably the closest and or biggest uh, city or municipal uh, municipality I can think that exists within Luzerne County in Pennsylvania. I'm not too familiar with the Commonwealth. Would like to visit sometime. But uh, for all of you influencers out there that live in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania that have no idea what's going on, they have just released a report on the 2022 midterm elections that were botched in your county of Luzerne. Now, when we're talking about Maricopa County, uh, Arizona, which is Phoenix, when we're talking about Harris County, Texas, which we just talked about, which is Houston, uh, these uh, and Luzerne County, Pennsylvania, these are among the three um, um, uh, jurisdictions that had some of the most obvious and flagrant voter suppression in 2022. And if not the most obvious, these were the only three that were reported on. And uh, at least two of them I was lucky to find out about. 
So Luzerne County, Pennsylvania, much like Harris County, Texas, much like Maricopa County, Arizona, had voter suppression, wherein we had uh, machines breaking down in largely Republican and or conservative precincts, jurisdictions and neighborhoods, wherein we had paper shortages that were starting early in the morning and not being resolved until late at night. Luzerne County, Pennsylvania, absolutely should be on the map, ladies and gentlemen, for this type of treachery in our elections and should definitely be on the mouths of the talking heads and the influencers that say these topics are important to them. Let's talk about this. Inexperience and staff turnover led to Luzerne, Luzerne County, uh, Pennsylvania's election debacle investigation finds. So uh, this story, again, from the mainstream lamestreams coming out of Vote Beat Pennsylvania. Now, it's interesting because we have a Vote Beat here in Texas. So that's leading me to believe that the establishment has set up a uh, segment or a section to cover this, uh, cover these stories generally across the board. Now, if you have like an independent or a seemingly local like print magazine or newspaper uh, for example, in Texas, it would be like in your in your hometown, it would be like the Austin uh, Chronicle or the Houston Chronicle or like um, the Texas Tribune and stuff like that. You know, those are going to be your locals. OK, those are going to be your locals. And those are the ones that are going to be uh, um, uh, covering these uh, stories to a point. But it's interesting because I guess there's a circuit of these local type of papers like you have the San Antonio Current, Houston Chronicle. Uh, they're not newspapers, right? But they are magazines or news magazines, uh, culture magazines, local types. Apparently, they have a network throughout the states. Doesn't surprise me because VoteBeat also appears here in Texas. VoteBeat covered this story. Let's see how they covered it. It says uh, Luzerne County's ballot paper shortage was not as widespread as original reports claimed and involved no malfeasance, the district attorney concludes. I would I think it would be interesting to see how true that statement is, because, you know, the elections administration, uh, the uh, the county judge, the county commissioners, everyone in Harris County has the same thing to say about their elections. They're like, oh, the shortage was not widespread enough. In fact, even the local newspapers in Houston, Texas, were sharing the same point of view. It wasn't as widespread as they claimed. There was no malfeasance. It was just a simple accident, right? We just simply and errantly hired someone who botches elections and has a track record for it. I'm talking of I'm talking about Harris County, of course. You know, if you live in Harris County or Houston, Texas, you should be really pissed off, right? You should be really pissed off, you know? Like, you should be, like, leading the charge, I would think. But that's just me. It says here... A ballot paper shortage in Luzerne County last fall, an almost singular stain on Pennsylvania's otherwise smooth midterm elections. Was it really smooth? Was it really? What happened during the uh, the entire? Uh, was it the McCormick, uh, the McCormick and Oz uh, debacle? Right. What about the federal? That was not smooth. It was not smooth. Not by my memory. It says here, uh, it was caused by high staff turnover and loss of institutional knowledge, according to a long-awaited report from the county's district attorney. The report was released Wednesday, more than seven months after the election, and highlights staffing issues that have plagued the county for years. <coughs> oh, pardon me. 
Oh, excuse me. <coughs> I apologize. It says here, it says here, the report was released Wednesday, more than seven months after the election and highlights staffing issues that have plagued the county for years. Luzerne District Attorney Sam Sanguidolce. Yeah, I remember that name, Sanguidolce. It means sweet blood, ladies and gentlemen, in English. Uh, District Attorney Sam Sweetblood said there is no question turnover was the primary issue, echoing findings from a February report by VoteBeat and Spotlight PA. The report also detailed new information about the county's scramble to deal with the paper shortage on Election Day and debunked rumors that the situation was intentional. The investigation also found that the problem was less widespread than initial reports suggested. Crucially, the report examined and dismissed public claims that Republican areas had been specifically targeted by the paper shortages in order to suppress or disenfranchise Republican voters. This would be about the stupidest way to criminally to try to criminally influence an election, Sanguidolce said. It was still early on election day last November when reports began trickling in that polling places in Luzerne County, a northeastern Pennsylvania county near Scranton, were running out of paper. Luzerne County prints ballots at polling locations on election day rather than ahead of time, as is done in some other counties. As the day progressed, the reports escalated, and initially it appeared that uh, up to a third of the county's polling places were completely out of paper. A county judge issued an order for polls to stay open two hours later than planned, and county officials ordered emergency paper when, wherever they could find it. Voters were outraged, with dozens turning out to speak at a board of elections meeting a few days later. Many residents accused the county of intentional disenfranchisement and called for the resignation of the acting elections director. The incident drew state and national media attention to Luzerne. Not enough national attention. It got national attention from who? Who paid attention to this? No one paid attention to this. How can they say that there was national attention on this, like even in the mainstream lamestream? Okay. I mean, not even the influencers who live in Pennsylvania were talking about this. Are you kidding me? Anyways, it says here, uh, it had, it says here that the County of Luzerne had been plagued by other issues in recent elections. A congressional committee later held a hearing into the Luzerne paper shortages, but until Wednesday, many of the details behind how it happened were opaque as county officials repeatedly declined to answer questions until Sanguidolce's investigation concluded. Now, here's what we got according to Sanguidolce's proceedings. He says, Sanguidolce's report starts and ends by highlighting the staff's limited experience level. The Luzerne County manager had taken on the job just four months before the election. The division head overseeing the election bureau started her role 67 days before election day. Beth Gilbert McBride, the acting elections director at the time, had started with the county just three months and 25 days before the election. She had been hired as deputy director, but the director at the time, Michael Susick, resigned in August, shortly after Gilbert McBride started. 
The longest tenured staffer, Emily Cook, had 14 months experience on election day and was filling in as deputy director. Sangue Dolce's report found that the cause of the ballot paper shortage was part of a complicated series of events that led up to and continued throughout election day. That is the same non-excuse. It's not even an excuse, guys. It's not even an excuse. It is not worth the breath that it sounded upon. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, Clifford Tatum of Harris County had the same darned excuse about what happened on election day. Oh, it was a series of unfortunate events that led up to and through election day. Excuse me? How long have we been hosting elections in this nation? Excuse me? How long have they been using these brand new election machines? It's been two decades that we've been using the same systems. Granted, some, some systems are newer. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Harris County, Texas, just updated to Heart InterCivic Digital. The digital, you know, if you actually voted, you know, you would know you go push the button and a ballot prints out and you actually take your ballot to a black box and then they uh, screw up the vote from there. Right. You know, <laughs> and that just happened in 2021 in Harris County, Texas. Prior to 2021 in Harris County, Texas, they did not even have a paper trail for 20 years. 20 years, there were no paper trails on elections in Harris County. 2021, they come around with heart intercivic. They give the voters the uh, the they give the voters the perception that they have a ballot because it, it actually prints out and you actually hold it in your hand the printed ballot right if you actually vote you know this right anyways so if you actually vote you know this right Harris County I'm bringing you all of the information that I can on it but let me tell you what guys when we're when we're talking about this is the same excuse they made the same excuse in Harris County for 2022 and 2021. Ladies and gentlemen, same excuse. Oh, you know, it was a series of unfortunate events. It was a series of unfortunate events. And you know what? Voters should be done with that excuse. It says here, Luzerne uses a voting system referred to as ballot on demand voting. In this type of system used by other counties in Pennsylvania, voters make their selection on an electronic ballot marking device which then prints out a ballot with their selection on it, much like we do here in Texas, okay? Voters then review the printout and feed it into a tabulator, much like we do here in Texas, right? If you actually vote, you know this, okay? In some other counties, ballots are printed ahead of time and hand-marked by voters, you know? Ballot-on-demand systems by nature require sufficient paper at polling places, Prior to the election, election officials knew they had relatively little paper on hand. In a text to Gilbert McBride, Cook said the county was running low on paper, but that she didn't think it was necessary to order more for the November election. Gilbert McBride, nonetheless, said she would, um, she would order paper, but did not seem to have followed through and done it. The report also pointed out that after the 2021 primary, when Republican ballots displayed on voting machine screens were mistakenly labeled as Democrat. Do you guys remember when we covered that story? Not many people were talking about the elections in 2021 because it's not uh, it's not a general election even year. Right. You know, but we were talking about that here on the C report. OK, and we covered this very story. Right. 
when Republican ballots displayed on voting machine screens were mistakenly labeled as Democrat, an outside consultant called the Elections Group had developed a timeline of tasks to be completed by election office employees in preparation for the 2022 election, including ordering paper and making sure enough of it made it to each polling site. It appears the timeline was not followed. Isn't that sad? that these new county election workers were being given help by the grassroots and they did not accept that help, okay? It appears the timeline was not followed and it is unclear whether Gilbert McBride was aware of it. The county did have ballot paper at its warehouse, though it may have been the wrong type. When reports of paper shortages began coming into the election office, county officials went to the warehouse to retrieve it but then spent much of the rest of the day in the time-consuming, conflicting conversations about whether they could use it. The paper at the warehouse was 100-pound paper, which refers to how much a stack of 500 sheets weigh. Workers loaded that 100-pound paper into county vehicles and began driving it to polling locations with paper shortages. But after the paper was delivered, Dominion advised the county to instead use 80-pound paper, saying that if the 100-pound paper had been stored at the warehouse for too long, it could have absorbed moisture that could then cause the machines to jam bullshit. Okay, so you know what this is, guys? You know what this is? This is Maricopa County. This is Maricopa County. What did they do in Maricopa County? They used paper that was too heavy. Okay, now here's the difference between Maricopa County and Luzerne County. It seems that Luzerne County actually called the vendors who sell their machines and they told them don't use 100 pound paper, which is exactly what Maricopa County did not do. But then Maricopa County, Arizona released a report that basically, um, um, that basically lied to anyone reading the report and it it it, it vilified the uh, the the vendor of the printer okay that they used in Maricopa County this is the same thing they did in Maricopa County with the exception that Luzerne County actually contacted Dominion or the vendor keeping in mind that Dominion is the same system being used in Maricopa County also okay same system same mishap okay but this time for the report, instead of instead of the vendor of the printer writing a letter to Luzerne County saying, hey, stop lying and fix your report, much like the vendor printer did to Maricopa County in Arizona, based on their based on their um, their uh, deceptive report, the people in Luzerne actually contacted Dominion. They actually contacted the vendor and they told them what was wrong. OK, they told them what was wrong. So it's interesting, right? It's very interesting. It's almost the same. It's a variation of difference, ladies and gentlemen, but it's basically the same shtick. It goes on to say here, so the county workers returned to the polling places, retrieved the paper they had previously delivered, and waited for a shipment of 80-pound paper the county had purchased via emergency orders from multiple vendors that same day. They met a delivery truck in a parking lot off of highway around off the highway around 5 p.m., and then delivered the 80-pound paper to polling places. 5 p.m. Polls close at 7 p.m., right? Whether the running around for 80-pound paper was necessary in the first place is a point of contention. Dominion had initially assured the county that either weight of paper was fine 
When they purchased their machines and county officials tested the 100-pound paper when they first arrived at the warehouse on election day. They found it operated properly when used with voting equipment that was what that was in storage. And as the 80 pound paper delivery was on its way, an official with the Pennsylvania Department of State called the county to say the 100 pound paper could be used if it was all that was available. But the county decided not to switch courses again. So, so can you believe that, guys? So then they're like, oh, you can use the 500, the 100, 100 pound paper. This is this is just junk right here. This is junk. It says uh, reports debunk election rumors. So it says the report also addressed inaccurate information circulating in the wake of the shortage about its causes and effects. Despite claims that a third of precincts ran out of paper or suffered a stoppage of voting, the investigation revealed through interviews with nearly every judge of elections that only 16 of the county's 143 polling places ran out of paper and switched to either emergency or provisional ballots, such as though such that voting was not fully interrupted. Four election judges did report a full stoppage of voting, though it is unclear for how long. And that is the aspect that we need to be concerned about, you know, because as far as I'm concerned, when they're doing these reports on uh, voter suppression, like we are seeing, like here in Luzerne or Harris County or Maricopa County, these are all uh, these are all junk reports, right? These are all junk reports. All right, vote beat Pennsylvania. Since no one else is doing it, I guess I'm going to have to dig more into this and see if I can find some real honest voices in this debacle. It says Sanguidolce also said he was frustrated by witnesses at a Republican-led congressional hearing on the shortage uh, earlier this year who repeated claims that the shortage was an intentional effort to disenfranchise Republican voters. Sanguidolce a Republican said, if you watch that hearing, what was most frustrating for us, the testimony was something that would never remotely be allowed in court. It was so unreliable. Is that all they have to say about it? Sangue Dolce said that uh, while investigating election matters, he repeatedly dealt with people who claimed they saw or heard about something suspicious, but who then never followed up with law enforcement are found to have misconstrued a report from someone else or are simply wrong. The report made a point of identifying the harm that support that unsupported allegations can cause, which this sounds like that's just something that they would do, right? This is like the, uh, the Michigan Senate's report on uh, on on not wide election fraud, right? They're just there to do a cover up cover job, you know? Um, and of, so, of course, he's going to put this. Of course, this is going to go in the report, right? Let's talk about the dangers of believing unsupported allegations, right? So what comes next? The question of how to fix Luzerne's elections is beyond Sanguidolce's authority. But he did say he was in favor of a proposal that has recently been gaining traction in Harrisburg, calling for some type of required training or manual for election directors. At acting Secretary of the Commonwealth Al Schmidt's confirmation hearing last month, Schmidt and State Senator Chris Dush. Oh, and we all know Chris Dutch. He's the guy who was, I, if I'm not mistaken, if my memory is not, no, 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 my memory is mistaken. That wasn't the guy. Okay. No, Chris Dutch was part of the team that went to Maricopa County during the election audit. Uh, the forensic audit. He was part of the team that went down there. 
Chris Dush was. Okay. That's where I'm thinking of the name from. He's I'm thinking of I'm thinking of the the former um uh, Senate Tempore uh leader. I can't remember his name right now, but anyways, anyways, different guy, totally different guy from Chris Dush. But Chris Dush was on that team that went to uh Maricopa County for the forensic audit review. Anyways, it says here acting secretary of the Commonwealth, Al Schmidt's confirmation hearing last month. At this, uh, at this event, Schmidt and State Senator Chris Dush agreed there is a need for a more formalized training process or manual uh, for new election directors. High turnover, turnover in election jobs has plagued not just Luzerne, but much of the state and nation in recent years. Uh, at a May meeting of the Joint State Government Commission's Election Law Advisory Board, that's a mouthful, a bipartisan entity tasked... Uh, with making legislative recommendations, members debated what to include in a recommendation to the legislature regarding formalized training for election officials. Sangue Dolce said such training would be a terrific idea, adding that there's really no reason to have to not have uniform standards so that if, say, Luzerne County lacks the institutional knowledge, why can't we call up the Scranton and call up to Scranton and get it from a Lackawanna County? Lombardo, the Luzerne County uh, Council Vice President, noted there is some optional training from the Department of State, but it is limited and technically complicated to access. Lombardo said any state training would need to be flexible and not interfere with the county control of elections, as not every county uses the same voting system. Okay, so there you, I mean, that's kind of like a long and short of it. Um, let's look at this uh, last portion here. It says a ballot referendum, which would give the council more control over election board appointees is slated for this year's November ballot. And uh, while Lombardo thinks there are mostly two separate issues, the referendum could perhaps help by lessening tensions. Okay. So a lot more stuff going on here, ladies and gentlemen in Luzerne County. Uh, I have Luzerne County on my watch list, ladies and gentlemen. That's why I'm bringing you the story today as opposed to waiting for anyone on the alternative independent to bring it to your attention. But that's the report. I mean, I don't have a copy of the report. I'll probably get to looking for that and checking it out. I need to dig into Luzerne County more. It'd be so helpful if we had influencers from Pennsylvania that were doing their job. But like, um, you know, um, maybe we can get to the bottom and see what else. there's got to be another voice out there in the county of Luzerne in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania that can give us a little bit more perspective on what is going on out there. Ladies and gentlemen. Alrighty, guys, that's going to bring us to our last story for this afternoon. We're going to we're going to switch gears here a little bit. OK, we're going to jump from doing uh, election stories and talking about Trump to something to honor Family Proud Month. How about that? OK, <laughs> Raven 2000 said, I'm calling Briscoe Kane's office. That's awesome. Uh, that's sweet of you, Raven 2000. But you're you're. As a West Virginia sister, you don't have to do that, but I do appreciate it. <laughs> hey, Kiss, what's going on? 
Good to see you this afternoon. Thank you for warming up the chat room with uh, with the links and uh, the uh, the, um, the stickers and the likes. Great to have you here with us. All right, last story for this afternoon, and then we'll call this uh, this uh, episode of the Sea Report um, an end. Uh, okay, so for for Family Proud Month, I came across this really interesting story. Okay, for Family Proud Month. All right. Okay. This is Family Proud Month, guys. Okay. Can we get a hashtag Family Proud Month? Okay. So I came across this really interesting story that gave me a perspective that I don't know if many people have just yet. I mean, um, generally speaking, I don't think many people would spend many hours or relegate many hours to pondering the notion of what a transgender man giving birth to a woman what kind giving birth to a child what kind of ramifications do we have to look forward to in that you know what i mean like when we're talking about the very the various ways that uh the globalists the establishment all these demons all these people are doing in order to corrupt and to uh strip uh natural motions and notions away from us guys like okay so let me think what's one way we can put, okay so think about think about like uh like the grooming for example look how long it took but it didn't you know in retrospect it didn't take a whole lot of we start with the destruction of the nuclear family right then we we get into the exception of more brazen and uh, you know for lack of a better word immoral um, you know pathways in life. We we make a way for that to be acceptable, right? And then and then we push more of those ideas of accepting subversive or 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 things that are non traditional. And it eventually becomes like in the year twenty twenty three, we are fighting against people who want to groom our children. We're fighting against agendas of individuals who are trying to push this unnaturalness on people, right? What are the ramifications? What are the ramifications that we're looking to in the future, right? Like the children of millennials, right? Who are all like woke sick, right? Are going to have kids that cannot think for themselves, that cannot lead for themselves, that are pushovers of society, that do nothing, that are not productive, right? Like what is it? What it, what what generations and offsprings are we creating in the future, right? Like, what are we doing? So I know you guys are probably like, what is this lead up to, Mister C? Like, why are you talking about the future? And what does this have to do with transgendered men who have babies? Okay, now let me preface this by explaining the difference between a transgender man and a transgender woman because. This is very hard to follow still for a lot of us. It took me a minute to get it down, okay? Whenever they throw these terms out there. Now, if you are a trans man, a transgender man, that means you were born a woman. You were physically born a female. And you chose to transition to a man. We got it? Okay, so... This last story for today's episode is about transgendered men who have babies, okay? Now, you have the woke, lamestream, shamestream, Mockingbird Media, and all of its affiliates, including all of its owners and masters in the entertainment and, uh, you know, uh, news industries, going on about, ooh, a man gives birth to a baby, man gives birth to baby, man gives birth to baby. It's junior 1994 all over again, ladies and gentlemen. No, I don't think so. These are people who were came into this world as a female in gender, 
And they decided to change that and then have a baby and then get famous on news reports as being the first man to have a baby, right? But are there any ramifications to this? I came across a recent article, like today, that was like, whoa, there could be ramifications to women who think they're men and live their life as a man having a baby. These are not men having babies, okay? These are women who choose to uh, take testosterone and live their life as a man having babies. That means they still have a cervix. <laughs> they still have ovaries. They still have a womb. Why are we driving this point home? I know, look at these pictures, right? Why are we driving this point home? Are there possible ramifications to being a woman turning into a man and having a baby? Well, America, a new study shows that children who are introduced to testosterone in the womb are more likely to become psychopathic. <laughs> so it's not funny, but the question then here, you know, we have to raise, ladies and gentlemen, the question we then have to raise, looking back at this culture of inclusivity, is are we actually raising, a, are we giving birth to a generation of psychopaths? Because we didn't understand that introducing uh, um, fetuses to testosterone in the body and in while they are in, in the canal, while they're in the womb could possibly generate psychopaths, right? Okay, let's take a look at this article and then we'll call it a dieu here at the Sea Report. Okay, psychopathic tendencies in men linked to greater testosterone exposure in the womb. Now, I bet you anyone who picked up this article did not even go where I'm taking this, right? I bet you no one went where I'm taking this. Now, if you're a transgender man and you are taking all types of testosterone and then you decide to have a baby so you can be famous and be a, a man who gave birth to a baby, right? Your, your, your little, uh, your little, your little uh, accessory of a baby, you know, you could be giving birth to a psychopath. Is that the joke here? I mean, is, so first we're giving birth to people who are effeminate. First, we're giving birth to people who are confused at birth no, because of all the chemicals and everything else in the environment they're putting into it, let alone everything that they're showing these kids on TV from the point that they pop out of the, the womb, ladies and gentlemen. We've raised a generation of people who can't do nothing for themselves, who can't speak for themselves, who have no backbone, all these things, and, and who are already crazy, right? And now we're gonna now we're making way for the psychopaths and the killers out there, ladies and gentlemen. What are we doing to ourselves? I think is the question. So let's look at this article. New research Oh, guys, you got to check this out. So this is the way this article is titled. Psychopath tendencies in men linked to greater testosterone exposure in the womb. That is the mainstream, lamestream title of this article. Do you guys want to see what the title of this article is from the actual uh, writer? <laughs> the actual title of this article from the writer, okay, is this. Come on, show me the actual title. Oh, it's not showing. Hold on. Let me do it. Let me Let me get the actual title up here real quick. Hold on. Oh, it's not popping up anymore. Ooh, that stinks. Okay. The actual title was something totally different. Okay. <laughs> it was. Believe it or not, it was. Here, let me see if I can do it again. 
it surprised me because not many times, but sometimes you will get a different title. Okay, they changed it. Huh? Okay, all right, never mind. Never you mind, America. They don't want to show me the title. Okay. It's okay. It's okay, America. It's okay. <laughs> we'll just run with it. Okay, we'll just run with it. I'm checking all my... Okay. Okay. Whatever. Whatever article. It says, new research published in... Let me... Maybe if we go here, I can find it. Because now I want to see the real title, not the fake title. Because I'm stubborn like that. Okay, here we go. Here's the real title. The Association Between 2D-4D Ratio and Psychopathic Characteristics. Even that title was not the title I remember seeing, but it is what it is. Okay, let's go back. Let's jump back over. Okay, so it says, uh, new research published in Hylion uh, explores the relationship between prenatal testosterone exposure and psychopathic personality traits. The findings indicate that there is a connection between prenatal testosterone exposure and increased egocentricity among men, but not among women. So we're going to have more what? American psychos out there? These results add to the current knowledge on the impact of prenatal testosterone exposure on the development of different aspects of psychopathy. <laughs> <coughs> Psychopathy is a cluster of personality traits associated with antisocial and violent behavior. Research suggests that both environmental and biological factors such as hormones can contribute to the development of psychopathic traits. Previous research had suggested that hormonal influence, uh, including testosterone, could contribute to the development of psychopathic traits. In their new study, Catherine Perez and colleagues sought to expand upon existing knowledge by examining the relationship between prenatal testosterone exposure measured indirectly through the 2D-4D ratio and three facets of psychopathy, egocentricity, callousness, and antisocial behavior. Uh, the 2D-4D finger ratio can be found by dividing the length of the index finger 2D by the length of the ring finger 4D on the same, I'm looking now at my hand, <laughs> on the same hand. To conduct the study, the researchers recruited participants from introductory criminal justice courses at a large Southwestern university. The data collection process involved two steps, an in-class paper and pencil survey, and a separate laboratory portion. In the laboratory, participants underwent various measurements, including heart rate, skin conduct. Con excuse me, skin conductance, saliva samples, facial symmetry, and hand scans to measure digit length. A total of 862 participants completed a, the in-class survey, and approximately 66% of them scheduled a time to participate in the laboratory portion. Ultimately, 491 participants provided reliable hand scans and relevant demographic variables for analysis. The results revealed the males had lower 2D4D ratios than females, which indicates greater uh, prenatal testosterone exposure. The males in the group also had higher rates of psychopathic personality traits. For males, there was a positive correlation between lower 2D4D ratios and psychopathic traits, but this relationship was not found among females. This study provides evidence for the link between prenatal testosterone exposure and psychopathic traits in males. The findings indicate that greater exposure to testosterone during prenatal development may account for the differing personality traits between males that are associated with psychopathy.
Perez and colleagues controlled for potential confounding factors such as age, race, ethnicity, parental arrest, and child physical and sexual abuse. The findings are also in line with a similar study which found the higher prenatal testosterone exposure was linked to both Machiavellianism and psychopathy. All right. How many influencers out there? Parents? Or, no, just kidding. <laughs> But the research team acknowledged some limitations for their study. For example, the studies uh, utilize self-report method to collect information on psychopathic traits. Self-report methods may be subject to social desirability bias. Furthermore, the study did not investigate the specific mechanisms that contribute to the connection between prenatal testosterone exposure and psychopathy. It is conceivable that additional factors such as childhood experience or genetic predispositions could also influence the development of psychopathic traits. Uh, it says, despite these limitations, the study serves to illuminate biological foundations of psychopathy and emphasize the significance of examining gender disparities in related research. The results indicate that prenatal testosterone exposure could be a contributing factor to the manifestation of primary psychopathy in males. In general, the research holds significant <clears throat> implications for comprehending and addressing psychopathic behavior. By identifying potential biological indicators associated with psychopathy, researchers can potentially develop more focused interventions for individuals with disorders. So you see they're creating the problem and then they're fixing the problem. They're making psychopaths and because they're making people become transgender and they're introducing all of these hormones and things when they don't need to be, making everything unnatural, causing people to be unnatural when they get out of the womb and more, uh, more prone to these tendencies. They're going to create this problem and they're going to try and fix it. Oh, well, we're going to we're going to address these psychopathic behaviors by identifying potential biological indicators associated with a, and then they create a whole nother sham bureaucracy or a sham other just to take care of this stuff, guys. So, uh, you know, I just thought this was a really interesting. It was an interesting thought that I thought I would pitch out to you all. I mean, come on. I mean, we've done a good job of creating, you know, losers and crybabies. Now we're going to create a whole bunch of psychopaths. They'll be the next generation up past Z, right? And uh, they're probably going to kill all the generation Zers and the, the leftover millennials, right? <laughs> That's not something I'm looking forward to, America. Not at all. <laughs>
All righty, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to bring our uh, episode of the Sea Report to a close for this afternoon. Thanks again for being here. If you were catching this broadcast live, uh, please make sure you hit that like button, hit that rumble button, take that red pill, hit that repost. And let people know where you've been hanging out. Uh, if you're catching that replay, catching that restream, thanks again for being a member of the audience. Uh, and I'll trade you. I'll trade you a live show for a like if you're catching the restream. If you want to keep up with the C-Report and the work I'm doing here, hit that follow button. You will get notified whenever I go live as I'm not on a set schedule at this time. But I am doing it live here. Um, um, at least a few days a week and on the weekend. So make sure you follow along. Thanks for all the new followers who've been joining on board and for everyone who's following along on the podcast. Don't forget, sometimes you can't take live streams to go. So make sure you follow the Sea Report podcast available on most podcast platforms. All right, guys, I think that'll do it. Thanks again, ladies and gentlemen, for being here. Justice song. I saw you hanging out over at pill.net, the foxhole.app also. So thanks for being here railing on. Thanks for popping up and saying hello. Glad that you were part of the audience kiss. Thank you for gifting the cookie. And uh, let me see here just real quick before we bounce out. Uh, Justice song said it should say trans woman birth to baby because we all know men can't have babies. Satan's just trying to confuse the children. Amen to that. I would concur and agree a thousand percent with that. Miss Justice Song, thanks again for being here. All right, guys, that'll do it. I'll be back sooner than later broadcasting on this channel. Until then, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. I'll see y'all next time. Take care. Bye-bye.